0: People celebrate the holidays, but you, you dominate the holidays. You deck the halls, the mantle, and anything else that will stand still. You deserve a bold cold brew that's as festive as you. Topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply
1: hello everyone and welcome back to the project manga podcast where we cover one piece my hero academia jujutsu kaisen ayashimon sakamoto days and mission yozakura family week to week back this week to discuss weekly shonen jump issue number 19 i'm nox I'm Melo Yenis. No Eagle this week. Me and Eagle got sick as hell a couple of days ago, and it really threw off the recording for this review. But I'm feeling better now. There's at least two of us. Melo's here. We can do the show. So sorry for the wait. But we're getting after it before we get into the conversation of course we'd like you to take a look in the description down below that's going to be where you can follow us on all of our individual social media accounts like twitter you can join our online communities like discord listen to the project manga podcast wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. and there's also ways to support what we do here by checking out our online store or our patreon also please slap a like on the video and consider subscribing if you are enjoying the content over here at project manga so far we upload weekly and We would greatly appreciate it but with all that said let's finally get in to this weekly shonen jump review starting with ayashimon chapter 19 until your chestnuts are out of the fire bye bye how do we feel man
2: (laughs) i this was this is necessary right like we're all we're already talking about like hey because we talked about um during the fight with Koton, we were talking about how Maruo really needs to like think outside of himself. Because yeah. he's talking, we were talking. like, is he real, He's not much of a hero. He wants to be a hero. He professes he wants to be a hero, but he, we were like, okay, how is he going to be? How is he being heroic, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to a, just a, a smoke monster, Right, right, like, right. How is he being a hero? And this chapter finally gave us that.
1: Yes. Where it's
2: like, hey, without, like, reward to myself, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to help someone that is literally helpless.
1: Right. This isn't a, you know, big bad in my way that wants to fight me. This isn't anyone that pissed off, you know, somebody on my team and I have to get... You know, revenge on them or anything. It's not the usual obstacle that Mario, you know, normally finds himself in front of. This is a very, you know, completely separated. Someone needs my help. I have the facilities to help them and I'm going to do that. I mean, also, it helps that it, you know, goes hand-in-hand hand with the training that he was kind of doing the entire chapter. Oh, absolutely. But, but more to your point that this is an act of heroism that isn't tied to anything selfish or immediately related to gang activity inside of the Yakuza, so.
2: Absolutely. No, I, I really liked that. I also enjoyed, like, the training aspect and, like, the weird old man, Ozunu.
1: Yeah, dude.
2: He's fucking weird. Yeah, and very like, weird
1: and quirky, but very cool in the kind of like, you know, older experienced um teacher kind of way.
2: Yeah, so Enno Ozunu is actually like absolutely ancient. Um mm. He's an ancient Japanese guy. He basically went under like Enno Ozunu or Enno Kiocha um basically in the Kamakura period like he was like this mountain hermit ascended to like mountain sainthood, started like the shugendo um, style of buddhism which focused on like Ooh. shamanism and spirituality the dude got like exiled in like 699 A- A- AD oh, like wow. exiled to an island in japan like like the, one of those tiny ass islands because he the, the court nobles were afraid of him Uh, because he was able to control he was said to be able to control demons to bind spirits to his will to make them light his fires and chop and carry his wood and water. Oh, damn. Yeah, and then after he gets imprisoned, they still like consult his like apprentices for like verbal (laughs) knowledge to like Maintain the health of the monarchies and stuff, and I was like, "That's weird." Yeah, like, <laughs> hey,
1: you broke a bunch of laws. We're gonna lock you up, but gotta knew what you were I doing don't even
2: out know here. If you he broke laws at that point, they're just like, mm, "You're suspicious and we don't like you." And oh you're sure. Basically, like a Japanese Rasputin, except for we're not fucking you, so get out of here.
1: <laughs> just back in the day, shit. It's like you look kind of sus. Throw him in prison. Let's talk to him. I mean, about if it. he
2: looked like the Shimazu, of course he looked sus. Yeah,
1: very ugly. But, you know, how about, he has a lot of charm to him, too. Just, like, as that, like, you know, speaks in riddles kind of Master Roshi Yoda. You know, mm-hmm. like like Hindu, cryptic. Hindu Master Roshi Yoda type cat. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. I love everything that's going on in Ayashimon right now. I feel like Ayashimon... Like, since we've been following it from the very beginning, you know what I mean? You, you obviously go through and you see, you know, if it has what it takes to survive in the magazine and what it's doing well, what it's not doing well, what could potentially get it axed, etc., cetera, et cetera. And for me, personally, like, Ayashima not only had, like, an amazing first chapter for me and the follow-up mm-hmm. chapters after that were really good, too, but, like, even when I start to feel like it's missing something that I feel like it absolutely needs... It isn't that long before Ayashimon gives me that, like right on time. Uh You know what I mean? Like we've been talking about it throughout our coverage and, and me specifically talking about how like, hey, you're a big punching machine main character. Now you've run into an obstacle that you can't punch through and you lost to it, you know, in the form of Dopo. That was right on time for me. You know what I mean? It's like you, you you introduced an obstacle or a wall that Maruo couldn't use his regular strategy to get through. And it was very early in the series when that happened to him. So I was really happy about that. And then to immediately follow that up with Katone... In the way that it did, another enemy that his current fighting style wasn't very good against. You know what I mean? And he, he had needed to layers. He, yeah, he, he needed, needed to track. he needed to adapt his his mentality and his fighting style on the fly to get through that fight. That was another thing that I felt like was necessary inside of Bayashimon. It's not just enough to lose, you know, when you are this like very strong, oppressive punching machine main character, you know, in the same vein as, like, a Mashal or in the same vein as, like, a Saitama. It's mm-hmm. not enough to just lose. What do you do after the loss? Do you just get stronger and punch harder the next time? Like, no, you actually needed to upgrade your outlook on combat in general as well as develop a new, deeper, strategic layer to your fighting style. So I was like, that was right on time, too. And then do immediately go from that into, you know, the Kyo kind of, like, backstory with his relationship with Kiyo, which I felt, like, was right on time. I was asking myself, like, when are we gonna actually see Kiyo and see, like, what he was about? Ended up being an amazing character. Loved that chapter. And I was like, hell yeah, that's what I needed. And then to go from that immediately into power system exposition, it's like, Ayashimon is firing on, like, all cylinders for me. Yujinkaku. And it has been the entire time, yeah. He,
2: Yuji Kaku, they know... Exactly what they're doing, like yeah. like we were talking, like like he just says, like you know, every time we're just like, hey, when is this gonna happen? It does. Yikaku's like, I've I did that on purpose, yeah, so that you would want it. Now yeah. I'm giving it to you, and it feels good, don't it? Like yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah,
1: he's like, I got and you. It, don't even worry about it.
2: Like I feel like, it, and it's like we're only twenty chap, not even twenty chapters in, and people are like, oh, it's gonna get axed, it's gonna get axed, and it's like, come on. Phantom Seer got like. What, 30?
1: (laughs) I don't remember how far Phantom Seer went. but but like most
2: series will at least like get to like 30 chapters before they even like come close to getting in trouble. Oh,
1: no, no, chapters get axed in the, or I mean, manga gets axed in the teens, I want to say, like pretty often. Yeah, like you have like, you have, I don't remember how how far Phantom Seer got, but you had like, you know, Samurai 8. Which was Kishimoto's book, and then that got yeah. to like forty-one or forty-two chapters before they axed I mean, so probably, of of it. Probably yeah, probably because it's you know Kishimoto, you know what I mean? And that's like one of the bigger ones that got axed in like recent memory for us, especially because we used to like cover it or whatever. But like by and large, I wanna say you could see an axe as early as chapter, like thirteen or fourteen. I think Candy mm-hmm. Flurry Candy Flurry only got to like seventeen. Yeah. Neru was less than twenty, I wanna say, you know what yeah, I mean? So like, like
2: 14, 16
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, so it can come, you know, like, really quick. And Ayashimon has survived, you know, axe round after axe round, despite, like, Japan not really liking, you know, the tattoo chapter in regard to, like, how, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, closely it tied into, you know, Yakuza stuff. You know, for yeah. them over there, they really didn't fuck with that, and that makes all the sense in the world. But, like, outside of that, I don't think that there's, like, really anything that Ayashimon you know, is doing wrong for me at this point. You know what I mean? So I'm very happy with where it's at. I'm happy that it's surviving these axe rounds. I think Yuji Kaku has a great story on his hands here and he's got a lot to show inside of it and he has a really good plan for it. The pacing is another thing that I love inside of Ayashimon. I think it's paced brilliantly. Um, I think that the delivery of information is never too much or too little at once. Every scene is you know, serves multiple purposes, either for the characters in inside of the scene or the overarching narrative. So that pacing feels really good because there's no redundancy in anything that's happening. I mean, outside of Maruo punching, you know, characters a lot in the beginning, but we already talked about yeah. how he ran into, you know, a hurdle really quickly in that regard. So like pacing wise, everything feels really good inside of Ayashimon too. And I hope it I hope it lasts as long as as it as it
2: should. I, I really hope so, because, like, I understand, like, the hesitation to kind of glorify the idea of the Yakuza, but at the same time, I feel like that's not what Yuji Kaku is going for as, like, an overall theme. I think he's yeah, going to reach out and, like, hey, these are the reasons people came to crime, right? Like, the Ayashiman... The yokai, they're going there because they need money. Right. They, like us, are trapped in like this capitalistic funnel of yeah. their exi- funneling their existence through the like the lens of like capitalistic uh, ventures. Yeah. and so like <clears throat> it makes sense that they turn to crime because how are they gonna get money as a day laborer? Right. as a person that works a convenience store or waits tables in a restaurant or does the generic, you know, running services in the world. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Like, unlike, right. like, like that's why they turn to crime. It makes sense. And I feel like as we progress through the series, Yuji is going to kind of, like, point out the flaws in the system, point out right. the flaws in the society and, like, explore A little more of that, like, why they turn to the the careers that they do. Yeah. uh, And kind of condemn the situation, condemn the people that, like, oh, I've bought into the idea that I'm a gangster and that I should be fearful. And they're like, you know what? You're just afraid. Right. And you're projecting, like... Yeah.
1: (laughs) And when you look through it, when you look at a series, you know, through the lens of like kind of like what you're talking about right now, trying to break down the reasons behind why things are happening the way that they are instead of automatically looking at it as you're covering the subject matter, you have to be glorifying it. That's obviously not how we wanna be thinking about it. There's obviously a deeper message, especially with a writer like Yuji Kaku, who's known for like deep poetic you know, symbolism and, and other kinds of analogs and whatnot, like we've kind of been talking about in this segment already. Like mm-hmm. you you it what what matters is, you know, relatability. And whether or not a situation is glorified or whether or not it's something that you want to look up to or aspire to be, that's definitely not what I get from Ayashimon inside of this Yakuza story. What I see is more along the lines of what you're talking about, inside of why are these characters doing this, they really don't have a choice. And we're looking at what it looks like from a bird's eye view at a situation where people are forced into this kind of situation and the kind of You know people that can be nurtured from this kind of situation so you can tie it back to like the hierarchy of needs too as to why it is relatable despite being such a despicable profession Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because you can tell that these people are missing something in their road to self-actualization so you want that whether or not you're familiar with the hierarchy of needs or whether or not you you know are actually looking at it through that lens from person to person who's reading it at the end of the day that relatability factor is there in the background whether you're conscious of it or not and that evokes certain emotions from the reader you know what i mean yes. so I'm like um. that's what matters to me
2: and I think that you said it really well. They're missing something on the way, the road to self-actualization. I think that's going to be a strong, ongoing theme into the series, especially with uh, what they did with the, the power system. Yes. Because they're talking about like you know how their like prana chakras are like going to be like the seven, you know, chakra points of the body. So like, yeah. like the crown, the third eye. There's going to be the throat chakra, the heart chakra. There's going to be like the solar plexus, pancreatic chakra. There's going to be like the splenic, uh, like these testes, kind of, um, excretory, uh, chakras. And then right. like below that, like around the taint or something like that is going to be the root chakra, which is going to be like the grounding chakra. Those are the seven chakras. Um, and this comes fr- and like the discussion of like the sut- sutula sarira um, being like the, uh, t- t- the gross material body and the suksma sarira, which is going to be like the astral body, which is composed of like emotions and thoughts. And without it, the human body dies and withers. Mm-hmm. Um, they taught that comes from the three bodies in um, Hinduism. Ooh. Uh, and yeah. they believe that the you know the sukshma sarira is this astral self. It leaves behind, <clears throat> like, it leaves the body. And is pulled through the thing. And then um, they were talking about, like, the Atman. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: The Atman is basically Sanskrit. It translates to breath or soul. It is considered the idea of, like, the eternal core of one's personality that reincarnates when one dies. It remains, as like, it's like, when one dies, it remains, the body, like, fades away, and it's the part that moves forward and reincarnates, especially when we were talking mm. about how the Yashiman incarnate. Mm-hmm. So having a power system that focuses on something that is heavily tied to reincarnation, self-actualization, enlightenment, like, is going to be a huge part of this story. Yes. Because, like, urara has gone through the growth of, I was angry feeling abandoned and I want to lash out at the world and she's already grown through that she's going to find happiness probably not happiness in the form of like I'm going to rule Kabuki Cho it's gonna be like I'm gonna find happiness and let go of like the earthly desires that I once had
1: yeah get closure for my pops figure out what's mm -hmm, good with this Yakuza mm -hmm. situation in all the ways that I need to and just come into my own full potential as the character I'm going to make myself given my situation and my upbringing
2: And I think it'd be really interesting if she's like, I don't want to deal with that. And so she's Mm. like, I'm not going to be in charge of it. And I feel like she's going to, like, defer control or, like, the basic runnings of a thing to someone like Ten, which I think would be hilarious Mm -hmm. in a very poetic way. (laughs) Oh, shit. I was not expecting
1: to hear Ten. I almost choked on my water. (laughs) No, because, like,
2: Ten is responsible hard-working kid who only came to the city so that he'd have enough money to fuel his existence. You know? Whereas, like, ura like, you know, she was basically a trust fund kid that, like, wanted revenge on the world a little bit. Right. Um And I was thinking that, like, I'm, I'm losing the tangent, but Uh-oh. like going back to self-actualization, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is like yeah. improving himself by having his, like his chakras realigned and having like all the like Nadi prana pathways. Yeah. The Nadi are basically all like the little tendrils and it's basically the nervous system. Yeah. it's It connects all the various chakras and like has roots all through the body to like deliver all that energy that's been filtered through those chakra points. Uh, according to like some of the research I was looking into like Hinduism and stuff, yeah. there are about 72,000 to 350,000 nadi within the human body.
1: Oh man. So it's
2: basically just nerves. Yeah. It's yeah. Basically yeah. Just
1: nerves. yeah I, I'm starting okay. to see like the vision on like an anatomical level a little bit more now that we're having this conversation. Cause obviously like when I read the chapter, you know, they put it in, in the analog of like a water tank system. You have mm-hmm. this huge reserve, of energy is the water it filters through you know these pipes that are the naughty i'm assuming you know on the way to the faucet which is how you you know manifest and channel that energy outwardly in Maruo's case through his fists and through his punches um so like all that felt really good to me but like now that we're actually like getting you know like a research kind of like breakdown to a certain extent i'm starting to see the vision on a little bit deeper level and that just obviously makes it feel a lot better too when when you have it from a couple different angles
2: oh absolutely mm-hmm. um and i think yeah because i feel like there is like um what's the phrase like wholeness and i feel like maruo is going to have kind of like um it's like a form of like physical enlightenment right yeah. because the idea that like
0: imagine your new bathroom
3: Close your eyes. It's time to discover what starting and growing your own business feels like. Whether your business is bedsheets or skincare or jewelry, Shopify is with you every step of the way. Hello. Now, open your eyes. Feel ready to start and grow your business with Shopify.
2: one transcends the like body and mind or something like that. Like your mind worries about things and your body suffers things and you transcend those problems. But is it just like a leaving behind your problems or is it you hone your body so it doesn't suffer and you ease your mind so it doesn't worry. Mm, Right. Yeah. It's like, isn't it more of just a strengthening of all those things to have, like, a a form of a literal fusion of body and mind where there aren't any problems. And that could be enlightenment. Yes. Like, Maruo is deeply, negatively wounded in his mind. And uh, he's getting his body there, you know? He's already got the body. He's, you know, I feel like he's getting there. I feel like it's, uh, enlightenment for him is gonna be uh, more visceral than, like, what we see in, like, kind of, like, dry like yogi style books yogi yeah
1: oh yeah man on page seven um i really like this uh this part with urara breaking down this like kind of like um drawing of this human interacting with an ayashima she's like the physical human world and the immaterial yokai world don't really touch they only interact through the medium of cash in order to touch a yokai, in essence, a concept, one needs to reach the immaterial. So you started by dulling his senses, attached to the physical world—sight, smell, and so on. This was really cool to me because, like, I'm you know really into philosophy. I'm a really big fan of Rene Descartes, and this like looks a lot like mind-body dualism, you know, to a certain degree to me, which is like a really interesting subject for me. Um, Because you have this human in the diagram that's punching the cash representative of this yokai's consciousness, right, is what we're, like, seeing here in this diagram. That's why you have, you know, the guy punching, you have the yokai made of cash, and then you have the very, you know, similar-looking actual yokai presence behind it. And when you look at it through, like, um, I don't know, like, the Watchmen lens, like, this is basically, like, how Dr. Manhattan operates after he went through... The intrinsic field subtractor and got his entire physical being deleted yet mm-hmm. his consciousness remained to put the pieces back together in the form of of dr manhattan you know what i mean so it's it's yeah. like a you know it's it's basically saying mind-body dualism exists in this universe and it's also kind of saying that in the supernatural way t- attached to yokai inside of you know ayashimon Because it's like the real yokai is in a different plane of existence that we can't interact with. Its Mm -hmm. cash representative is how it has a three-dimensional experience on the same plane as us. But it's effectively just something for you to look at and talk to and touch. But the real yokai, like, isn't even there. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Yeah, Yeah, you know what I mean?
2: I love... The supernatural aspect of it, and it's it reminds me of like the idea of like the shadow and body reversed. Yeah, where it's like for us, we are creatures of the material world, so our core is there, and our spirit is our shadow. Whereas yokai are spirits, so their true form is the shadow, and their fault their their projection. Is just the physical form. Yes, and I I really
1: I appreciate that. It was so good, man, and I love dial I love dialogue like this. I love exposition like this, and I love fucking diagrams. Like I love the chibi, you know, didactic diagrams that mm-hmm. like you know artists will give us in manga. You know what I mean? Because it just makes learning what they're talking about that much more fun when you present it in such a fun you know, kiddish kind of, uh, kind of diagram to, like, directly contrast, you know, whatever else is happening. Like, when you get it in, like, Hunter x Hunter, as, like, heads are being, like, broken and bodies are being cut in half, you'll go into, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a page turn of, like, a, a narrator breakdown of, like, how the ability is working that's causing this massacre in the background, and it's, like, illustrated with really cute, like, chibi-like characters in the diagram. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always loved that contrast in manga and and it's like one of my favorite things about it so when i turned this page onto this you know mind body dualism situation here i was like oh yeah yeah this is everything i love about manga almost like fuck yeah but
2: i really enjoyed um the month the training montages yeah like on eight nine i loved it and i love how the Todoroki alliance are like involved a hundred percent of the way they're just like yeah you're our boy blue <laughs> yeah oh yeah I love I love the fact that they're forcing him to jog like he's getting faster and stuff too because like at the first page of eight he's uh you know they're dragging him and by the next page he's just keeping up with them yep and I'm just like oh he's getting faster hell yeah they're making him work out by pushing a semi truck with all of them on it and I like the little uh the bathhouse scene, because, like, that is probably, like, a key moment of, like, relaxation for, like, most, like, mobster movies.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I'm just like, yes! Yeah. I, I love those old, old-time old bathhouses. Like, yes, they'll stew. boil your skin off, and it's... <laughs> f- you feel amazing after that. Like, all the old heads are just like, yes, these bones... <laughs> these bones were meant to stew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... it's uh, Man. Yeah, for sure. Public bathhouses, man. They're, Public bathhouses.
1: I haven't uh, visited one ever in my life. I don't know if I'll ever have an opportunity for something like that, but Fair. I definitely uh, I definitely get the appeal.
2: Ah, it's great. <laughs> I, I've been to like a few while I, when I used to live in China, so I just like... Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Um. Page
1: 12. I love page 12, too. And when I'm frustrated, I bury myself in manga to escape. That habit hasn't changed at all and then buddy says reading manga to recover that boy is touching your sukshma sarira reading manga brings healing to your atman and sukshma sarira their healing affects your body's healing this is a really cool like explanation for this because like on the surface you want to go he reads manga and heals that doesn't really make sense but when you tie it back to this you know buddhist or 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 hindu I can't remember if it's Hindu. Is it, is it Hindu? It's Hindu. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's Hindu, the, yeah. The three
2: bodies are the Hindu thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I always, I don't know why, like, that's just, like, such a dumb, like, mistake to make, but for some reason, I just, yeah. like, flip those in my mind sometimes, so I just wanted to... It's all good. Yeah, 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 but anyway, um, anyway, he says, you know, all of these things, and, like, from a surface level, you're like, that sounds kind of awkward, but then when you, when you view it through the lens of this, this Hindu power system and how it's all about, you know, mental health first and then that will permeate you know into the physical you know in 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 you know in certain ways it's like that's cool in a fantasy series where i'm already suspending disbelief like that's a good enough explanation and it's cool that it ties back to such a core personality trait of mario and it only works because it is such a core personality trait of maruo it's like his jinky manga reading manga is like his jinky and like Akuda. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah you know what i mean it's like this is the one thing you care the most about so immersing yourself in this one thing creates your perfect safe place when you're in your perfect safe place your mental is you know at its best being restored, and yeah. being restored and once your mental is restored that will trickle down you know into your body because this is a mind-body relationship that is being focused on here, what is like the relationship it. to the mind and body so your body healing through you know immersing yourself in the thing that you love the most makes a lot of sense for a healing practice in this power system
2: yeah i um i actually totally like i think it was easy pretty easy for me to accept all of that stuff it made yeah. sense to me yeah. um my mod uh is big into like spiritual spirituality and like um a balanced spirit and balanced mind helps lead to like f- fixing the 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 problems that your body will manifest. You know like how yeah. you, like if you're nervous about something your stomach will twist itself and give yourself a stomach ache, right? Like the body responds to stress and like imbalances in your mental and like how you feel yeah into physical stuff. And like I Ah, you yes. want to know what I have heard
1: about this because people are talking about like how you can die of like a broken heart and shit. You know what I mean? Your heart has it. My
2: parents did that. Um, oh, like uh, so. Like my grandfather did not last very long after his gr- after my grandmother like passed. Mm. Uh, my yeah yeah nai nai on my dad's side, mm. and uh, like after she passed, he didn't last very long afterwards. And like um, one of my friends was just telling me, uh, I was like, yeah, no, um, you know. His his mom had passed, and then a year to the day, his dad passed, Mm. and it was just like people die of broken hearts all the time, and like also if like there's people that like shouldn't like like a doctor tells them it's like you got cancer, you got like a year to live, and they maintain they're just like no fuck you, I refuse to accept that I'm going to live, and they maintain a very strong mentality, and mentality does bear a huge part in healing one's own body right it's right like physical therapy if you give up in physical therapy if you're if you allow yourself to succumb to despair you never get to that point of healing yeah. or like or people's cancer can get worse due to someone's like negative you know outlook, per outlook on the situation like, if, yeah. if they if they give up then you know the body loses its will to keep fighting for it
1: yeah so I guess um, it's not as much of a suspension of disbelief because this is actually really like very real-world things. <laughs> I was just, just thinking about so like, time. you know, I was just yeah. thinking about how like Luffy takes a bunch of damage and he's down for the count, no more fighting, and then eats a fucking drumstick. And he's like, haha, like Popeye ate his spinach. And it's like, okay, like that works, you know, for One Piece. It's comedy. It's like silly, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. You, you, you can suspend, you know, disbelief for that healing system in like one piece and that's like fine and i was trying to like kind of like tie it back to here about how like you're still suspending disbelief but there's more of an explanation for it than something mm-hmm. like that over in one piece but no this is a very real world thing actually at i the see where you're day. coming from so there's not a whole lot of suspension seemed, it yeah. seemed normal because yeah, i was like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah.
2: I've, I've seen it before like yeah. one of my buddies had cancer totally beat it and like yeah. they were just like uh eh, you you kind of caught it late like yeah. well, we'll see we'll see how you do and he's like whatever and then he yeah. literally won the lottery Oh, he literally man. won the lottery, broke even from like all his medical treatments, and he's like, "Well, I'm back where I started." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, well, that's life," and it just kept going. And I'm like, "You fucking optimistic <laughs> piece of shit. I love you." Yes.
1: <laughs> but that's just so cool um, that that's where we're at in like Ayashimon right now. You know what I mean? It's just like we mm-hmm. had so many ideas about how this story could progress and all the different like routes and avenues that we could take. We might not be able to guess like every, you know, major narrative plot point, you know, or whatever. I hope not anyway, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. But when it comes to what we think is good storytelling structure, Ayashimon has at least for us been delivering on all of the things that we think it needs right on time. You know what I mean? So I'm very happy with where Ayashimon is at right now for that.
2: Mhm. I the part that I kind of got a big kick out of it um was page 17 or just like so you say the young man who saved your son emerged unscathed and then ran away. Yes, he was so nondescript. I can't. I can't remember his face.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking about that too. And I saw that line. I was like, "Damn, is Maru really just like a regular, degular, like looking person? Is that what he's supposed to be?" Because <laughs> I just like immediately attached myself to his design, and it's like burned into my head. And I think he has a very recognizable, you know, and and charming design, like personally. But like in this world that he occupies, he probably does just look like a regular person.
2: <laughs> he just looks like a kid with band aids on his face. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Just, like, which kind of, kind of tracks where he's just like everyone underestimates him. He just looks kind of plain. Like he's trying to be flashy with right. like the you know the Hawaiian shirts, and yeah. eventually he'll get to that point where he's you know like fl- like
1: fully dripped like out. Dobo, yeah. yeah.
2: You know, because like we saw Dopos early years, he wasn't looking much. You know, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. if anyone was playing, it was that dude. Right. He definitely
1: um, leveled up. He,
2: and kind of touching on dopo, uh, he's a Hitorima, ma, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, he is, uh, what's it is? They are somewhere in like Ishikawa prefecture. Kind of like hangs out. Their um, environment is normally like around hot springs, mm. and they eat flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're portrayed as like having slender bodies, like like slender legs, and then they are like just this, like full of smoke and wisp and, like, maybe, like, flickering flame for eyes, and they um, absorb, like, snuff fires as you get closer. So, like, if you have a lantern, you're wandering around in the mountains or something like that, if your flame gets smaller and smaller, that's the sign that they're near.
1: Mm, and Yo, that's tight.
2: I had a really hard time looking it up. Like, every time oh. I looked up a Ma, half of it would be go to, like, Giga Giga Taigo or something like that. You know, it oh. was like Yokai Watch, like a kids' show. Oh yeah. And I yeah. was just like, and I and it reminded me of like the bombs from Final Fantasy, just like this flame thing that like healed when you burned them. Sure. And I'm like, is that is that a reference? Maybe. Is that a reference in Final Fantasy? I don't know. Yeah. But then I found like found out like a little article about it, and they're like, yeah, this is like a really really minor yokai, very obscure, and I'm like ha huh, that tracks. Dopo's is just a nobody, <laughs> yes.
1: Yo, and I was like,
2: I love that. And I was like, <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. This makes my frustration completely worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, dude. I it's love that we, to
1: that. yeah, I love that we're that we're you know finally just getting the breakdown on you know, Dopo and what he is and what his like yokai is and 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 all of those things because it's like that's another thing that felt like right on time for me too. It's like you introduce the villain you you make sure that their you know presence is felt before all else in their design and the things that they accomplish immediately you know like into their into their characterization he came in smoking bro came in on fire you know with the torture and just like the really gangster mob boss demeanor and attitude you know what i mean and then you finally get the fight with them and that's clenchy, because it's like, oh, shit, okay, we built up this big bad dude pretty well so far, and now Maruo is encountering them long before they're ready. Maruo tries to fight him, can't do anything, and then he kind of just goes back into, you know, the background to do, like, his dealings or whatever and continue being a character and continue making his moves. But we still don't have, like, the expository breakdown of who he is and how he operates. And Kaku Yuji, you know, has been kind of slowly drip-feeding that through pictures of him in flashbacks with Keo, looking way dorkier than he does now. So that makes you wonder, how did he go from that to this? And then you see the rivalry and like kind of um, bitterness that Katone has, you know, for Dopo, especially that hits a lot harder once we get the Kyo flashback, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then now that this much storytelling has been devoted to Dopo without actually giving us his exposition, he's had that enigmatic big bad in the background flair and now right on time boom let's start saying everything we know about dopo you know what i mean like let's 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 shatter the veil and and show you who this guy really is now that like peak interest in the enigmacy is kind of where it's at so like on a pacing level this is is a really good way to handle a significant villain in your story you definitely don't just want to be like here's the villain ah kill everyone hero beats them by the end of that stretch of storytelling you know what i mean like you want to you want to drip feed it so that you know the payoffs are cathartic you know what i mean
2: i i'm really happy that like i'm really surprised i've never heard of a tori ma like when i was doing my research it didn't really like really pop up very much um and i was like man maybe he's a yuki Ona. I like that I'm wrong. I like the fact that, like, I was surprised. I wasn't able to just call it right off the gate, right out the gate from, like, a small clue. And, like, I like that they took this minor thing that was the fire-eating yokai and, like, thinking about how that functions and how they could make that more interesting and then using that as a red herring by creating all that ice and stuff.
3: It's like, oh, yeah,
2: I'm the fire-eater. Let's take it one step further. I eat heat. Yes. And by doing so, I can cause... And he was talking about how molecules erupt, like, cells rupture after, like, water freezes in them. Yeah. I'm thinking about how he's been just eating the heat within the air to cause molecules to clench up and crystallize into ice. Right. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) It was there the entire time. Right.
1: Now, now, and this is, like, broken, you know, to me as, like, you know, an X-Men fan, because you have Bobby Drake, who, you know, is Iceman, and in his original characterization, he was just, like, a dude who could throw snowballs at you. And then over <laughs> yeah. over time, you know what I mean, he, be, he actually becomes more ice than snow until eventually... You get a situation where a telepath looks into his mind and goes oh my god your full potential is way crazier than what you realize it is you're actually just controlling the rate at which molecules vibrate like you're not just throwing snowballs at people you're You're actually like a force of nature entirely with this ability right Mm -hmm. and so when you go over here and do ayashimon and you have this guy who steals heat and that's his power and that's really cool. But he is also talking about molecule vibration and like molecule, just, mm-hmm. just like he just has an understanding of that stuff personally. So it's like, how broken can he possibly be if he is self aware of how his ability works on a molecular level? <laughs> you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's fucked up to think about.
2: <laughs> it, it, part of me wants to see him do a fight where like it's a big metal box
5: Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
2: And it's metal plates on the floor. And there's heat applied to the floor. So he forces Maruo to run through like a skillet of a hallway. And then he steals the heat from it and, like, turns the whole thing to, like, icy stuff. So he gets an infusion of heat, turns everything icy, and then fights Moreau on a place with, like, poor footing after, oh, like, burning man. the shit out of his feet. Yeah. I want to see something like that. would be
1: tight. There's That'd a be- lot of really crazy applications that Dopo can be given, you know what I mean? Because it's, like, his ability is just like that. Like, once you consider it on, like, that conceptual of a level, you can fill in gaps crazy mm-hmm. from, like, in between the surface level explanation and the deepest explanation possible so like i'm really excited about that
2: i i want to see that um there's this moment like when they're doing the training stuff and he's trying to get the chestnuts and they pop and like crack and like mm-hmm him in the face it made me think of like yuji's training situation with like the corpse puppet
0: mm, and watching the sticks. movies
2: just, just get it's like i was like yeah, yeah. there's my slapstick yeah, yes <laughs> yes get dunked on maru but it serves
1: multiple purposes and that's like the best thing you know what i mean i feel like manga does this kind of thing so well where it can give you slapstick style comedy like that while also being very informative for the reader as far as world building goes and also character building for the character in question that's going through the training at the same time so all when scenes serve multiple purposes like that you know what i mean like those are those are the the cream of the crop scenes you know what i mean the more purposes Mm -hmm. a scene serves the better obviously so it's like whenever you they, they japan just has such a charming way of wrapping up all of these purposes in such a you know unique aesthetic rapping you know what i mean that is just like mm. man i fucking love this medium because it's like it has so much style you know what i mean for for and especially because they came into the situation a little bit later than you know america did you know what i mean at least in the in the in the more modern sense that we have now you know what i mean oh so yeah it's and like
2: the history of comics and yeah
1: like the yeah yeah Right, so you're coming from something that already has so much, you know, established in its foundation and, like, creating such a unique, you know, vibe for your entire area Um, of the medium. It's just, like, I can't just be gushing all the time to myself, yeah. (laughs) I
2: also think that, like, um, if you go into, like, Japanese classical art where you see, like, um, you know, they had the 2D, like, the, the flat silhouettes of samurais you know fighting like the giant skeleton you see like paintings and stuff of like that so i feel like there was so much of like a rich visual tradition in japanese art that translated really well to comics yes and then japanese art itself always tended to combine words with pictures already Mm. so like like calligraphy right calligraphy being both visual and la- literate art so like mm. i feel like for them they had like so many strong foundations that comics just made sense and that's why they um don't really undervalue mm-hmm. comics as a medium right like like in the west people still like are like oh yeah you know comics are for kids yeah and i'm like i wouldn't recommend most of these stories <laughs> for kids right they'll right. make you cry or give you trauma or yeah. something like yeah. be be grown and like be grown and like read comics and like but yeah. like read comics that are appropriate to you right like yeah. but like
1: to your point japan. about how it doesn't matter as much in america on the comic book side of things as it does in japan that makes a lot of sense because for the longest time comic books were japan's only source of media like coming out of like you know the war and world war Two and shit mm-hmm. they didn't really have the best economic infrastructure or like any economic infrastructure at all really you know what i mean because they're they
4: coming yeah they had to rebuild from scratch yeah, like, from
1: scratch. yeah so like the, the only the only kind of media that they could afford to produce was comic books and not just comic books black and white comic books because mm-hmm. they couldn't even afford color you know what i mean so like that's why it's that's why it's it's always going to comic books are always going to matter so much more to Japanese people than American people because it's so it's coming from a place of this is all we had at one point. From a very traumatic point from a place in their of, like, history. Cultural regrowth, yeah, cultural cause... regrowth and trauma, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, yeah it's just I uh, I loved I loved the Burning Building scene, to be honest. Yeah. Like Ozunu was right. He's like, yeah, it's better to fast-tump him in like a real fight with an opponent, sink or swim. And he's just like, I liked that. This is um, a fight that has no real target, right? Like he's right. fighting the environment. Yeah. And I'm like, PVE. you know what? Yeah, he's doing PVE. I <laughs> appreciated that. I was like, you know what? That that makes sense. Yeah, you know, dopo is a supernatural flame. You're gonna beat up an actual apartment fire, and I'm like, I like this. It would, yeah. like this. This whole chapter is very satisfying in that sense.
1: Hell yeah, yeah. Yashimon is um is firing on all cylinders. I can't. Um, I think we've already. I think I've already like multiple times in this review stated everything that it's it, that it's doing correctly for me. But just for the record, I love the cast. I love the pacing. The world is being built brilliantly around the cast work and overarching narrative progression. You know what I mean? Everything just feels like it falls into place inside of Ayashimon, and that there's a very clear plan and structure for it. And Mm -hmm. that just makes you feel good. You know what I mean? And the way that the plot progresses in the ways that we've been talking about the entire review about how concepts and explanations and things come right on time, all of those things just... I, I can't cross my fingers tight enough for the success of Ayashimon. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Do you have anything else for
2: Ayashimon this week? Honestly, no. Um, yeah. This has been a very thorough one, just because of all the new like terms and yeah, stuff. Yeah, this and one production. was chunky. The breakdowns of ah, uh, stop. Oh
1: yeah, my God. yeah. Good shit though, man. I'm 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 happy yeah. with it. I'm happy with it. That will do it. For this chapter of Ayashima. All right, moving into Sakamoto Days, Chapter 66, Lag. I fucking love this chapter, man.
2: I really enjoyed, like, all the different perspectives that came with this one. Like, I know I've mentioned it a couple times where, like, the fights are all 3D. And they focus on like different angles and stuff. Yeah, very 3D. This chapter did great. Like, Mm -hmm. there was this one moment with uh, Toromaru standing on her weapon, like her axe bayonet just wedged into stone, just staring at Shin at the bottom of this river. And she's like, hmm. Yeah. Just like. I love that because like, like that little perspective of her just like looking down on him while yeah. talking shit right and i'm just like, that that works this yeah. works that's that's a nice combo
1: the fighting styles are like so gas in in sakamoto days and they're so well represented you know even outside of like very high octane high tension action sequences because obviously when they're throwing kicks and throwing punches and using weapons it's like those are the most obvious examples of these characters and their fighting styles and their personalities in combat but just this one panel right here of tori maru standing on the axe you know or standing on the gun with the axe head like stabbed in the side of the cliff face and shit Mm -hmm. like to just like you know overlook like the the battlefield and shit with her hands behind her back and like it's just like, man, like, yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm talking about right there, like, I love shit like that, you know what I mean, so, Sakamoto Days is, is really good for that, I love this dynamic between, um, Torimaru and Shin 2, like, inside of this fight, because it's like, it's a, it's a really interesting kind of, like, character spotlight, you know, in between the action, right, because you have Torimaru, who represents a fan of the Sakamoto, that people see on the surface through myth and legend and whatever small rare you know occurrences they have where they've Mm -hmm. actually seen him in the field and then you have shin who represents a fan of the actual sakamoto or at least where sakamoto is in his life right now you know what i mean so
2: it's the contrast between private and public admiration
1: right exactly and i just
2: like i love that because it's like huh sakamoto this is the deal with parasocial relationships and yeah. like celebrity, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, ah, yeah exactly.
1: Right. And and even though Shin knows Sakamoto in a way that this girl couldn't possibly, you know what I mean? Like he was still able to communicate that to her in a way that she was able to understand despite not knowing the real Sakamoto. And so when that scene comes, you know, towards the end of the chapter when he saves her, and she's like, Why the fuck did you do that? And he's like, Sakamoto would have done that. It's like, Does she know that? Like, is that no. does that fit in with her understanding of Sakamoto currently? Probably not, but she still got the message. Like, she still felt like he was telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like, he still mm-hmm. properly communicated his admiration for Sakamoto. In a way that she was able to absorb and respect, even though she has an entirely different outlook on who this person even is, you know what I mean? So it was just really cool character moments for Shin, for sure, but also this brand new Maru character who's had a very interesting arc in the very small amount of time that she's that she's been in the story. Mm-hmm. so I like I love no, how I, that's communicated I, in this chapter, yeah.
2: I really like it. I the part where like um page 14 where you can see like the echo of Sakamoto and it's like he's still bigger than Shin, you know, yeah. large, that kind of larger than life presence, but it's like okay, yeah, you know, you're not quite filling up the silhouette. But you're looking in the right direction, you know? And I was like, yeah. hey, you know, youngin, you're, you're, you're like, Shin was talking, like, at the beginning of, like, previous few chapters, like, hey, Mr. Sakamoto, like, I admire you, but, like, we're enemies. I need to prove myself. Yes. And I'm like, you're doing great. You're doing great, kid. <laughs> yeah. Love that for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really liked this moment with Shin on page eight, where he's like, "Uh, I need to figure out another way to win. What can I do? And his, like, telepathy senses the fish. Yes. And then that snaps him into, like, oh, I could just use the water. Fuck, why didn't I think that? And I'm,
1: like, so mad that I didn't fucking notice these fish until, like, you said, I love this scene on page eight. And then you saying that and me going to the page at the same time for some reason made me me realize (laughs) the screen-tone fish... In the, the the second to last panel on page eight, that I just completely went over my head before, and then they even use it again. <clears throat> excuse me. They even use it again on the bottom, uh, you know, panel of, of page ten, and I didn't notice it there either. I'm oh, yeah, like, and I'm like so angry that I didn't notice these. Fucking... I
2: didn't. Oh, that you must have
1: been speed reading. Oh, I didn't
2: notice it on ten. I just noticed it the on page eight, and that's oh. what I remembered when yeah. I went through it the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually really cool because this means that he's progressed and that right. he cannot only listen to human voices. Yes. But living creature voices. Yes. So now he can hear all voices, but that means he could also eventually communicate with that one sniper's bird.
1: Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah fuck yeah that'll be cool man if that's if they if they lean into that
2: but like i think that this is this is the sign of an upgrade right yeah. like for his yeah for sure it's just like and i'm just like i wonder where you can go with that because like there's in like spike's family you have you know the the dog and the little telepath girl mm-hmm. and they're sharing thoughts and like communicating mm-hmm. a little bit i'm like that's funny i like yeah. that that's yeah. pretty solid yeah um uh, so I want to see what Shin can do with that kind of stuff. I and I, I right
1: like how it. the growth is is represented, too, because he's been talking for a while now about, like, what would Sakamoto do? But it's like, man, I can't always... Like, Sakamoto's not always going to be here, you know, to, like, hold me down. He, I think he said this, like, multiple times now during mm-hmm. his own little personal, you know, journeys inside the arcs, even though Sakamoto is there somewhere in the background. I think since they started this exam, even on the plane, when they were doing, like, the mm-hmm. Battle Royale on the plane he's like Sakamoto is here but like I need to progress personally. I can't just lean on Sakamoto, boom bap, and I'm sitting here going, "Okay, well how are how is how is that going to form inside of Shin?" Like like that realization is cool, but how are you going to put it into practice? And him having a very cerebral ability inside of his clairvoyance, it makes sense that his progress would be shown in the form of his mentality upgrading. Right. Because it is a very mental power. So if he gets into a more mature headspace, he'll unlock deeper aspects of this power and unlocking deeper aspects of this power gives him the facilities that he needs to operate separate from Sakamoto. So it all just feels so good inside yeah. of his progression, because it's like, I fight with Sakamoto, I get whooped because Sakamoto is better, Sakamoto's fine over there, I'm his little guy, so I can do certain things, but when it comes down to it, I need Sakamoto to save me for the, real, the really oppressive physical walls that I might run into. And that felt good for a while, and now we're at this point now where it's like, we all gotta get tighter on our own, because these motherfuckers are cooking over here, and they're way tighter than us. Slur and, 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 and his homeboy, you know, or whatever that we see at the end of the chapter, I always forget his name, but it's like those guys are, are, are building something very serious and they are well above the capability of Shin and, and Sakamoto. So it's like, how are we going to upgrade ourselves so that we're ready for that coming confrontation? And Shin separating himself from Sakamoto and going, no, I need to be able to do things entirely on my own so that I can fight better with Sakamoto instead of potentially being a liability because I'm not capable enough in the yeah. upcoming conflicts. So all of that makes sense, but it's like physically, what kind of training you know would there be and is that really the route that you want to take with Shin who has such a strong superpower that is rather nerfed compared to other telepaths that we get in Mm -hmm. in other areas of fiction so it's like no this was always going to be a, a more cerebral growth you know for shin than anything else and the way that he ties it into his reliance on sakamoto as a way to push past that mental limiter to unlock deeper areas of his telepathy is really hitting hard for me right now in this chapter
2: yeah, he, he says it himself in this chapter. I have to win this in my own way. I yes. can't even pretend that I'm going to do it like Mr. Sakamoto. We simply have different abilities. Um, the part that I think is, like, this arc has been great for Shin. I yeah. love that for Shin. Like, yeah. I think this next opponent is going to be a huge barrier against Shin. Because this is a remote-controlled bad guy like yeah. how are you gonna find, how are you gonna mind read and dodge a guy who isn't in control of his own body
1: right maybe he could find out that very truth by reading his mind and go yeah this guy is here but that's not who's controlling this body and maybe you know it depends on like what kind of you know how this technology works this vr technology works that they have you know what i mean but shin could potentially figure out this what's going on you know with his telepathy and whether or not he'll actually be able to then by extension you know read the thoughts of of uh god what is his name shania the Wait, the, the dude in one. the dude in the vr gear that like rolls with oh, slurs gaku. gaku oh my god yeah, it's so you, simple too it's only dude. two fucking syllables Okay. Yeah, but
2: like, I I definitely had to look that up again because I was like, yeah. I, I I'm actually really bad at names. Yeah, Gaku, <laughs>
1: Gaku. Okay. So what I'm saying is, is that like, it's either gonna be a situation where Shin will try to read the mind of this assailant and go, he's not the person driving this car, and maybe that's the extent of it, and maybe that's all the information that he needs in order to get himself and 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 Tori Mario out of the situation or it could go a step further and go okay he's not the one driving this car it's Gaku and maybe he doesn't recognize you know Gaku or whatever but maybe he's then just able to by extension read the mind of Gaku in his puppeteering of this vessel and that could be you know really major too i feel like it could go either way or maybe even you get one after the other maybe he realizes you know the thing, and then has a strategy think, for that, and then think, goes, yeah, yeah.
2: I think the lag is going to come into come into play, where sure. he's like, oh, this guy is really strong, and I can't get a good read on him because he, my telepathy is not functioning on the person that is actually making decisions. Yeah, it's like. But he can at least have a little bit of lag. They mentioned a little bit of lag. So there's always gonna be like a little delay in between moves.
1: Oh sure, or sure. At least
2: delay between combos. Yeah. And he's going to have to take that advantage. He's gonna look for that opportunity to and maybe have to work with Toromaru yeah. or Kaji. Yeah. Um to take down like autopilot Shania.
1: Yeah. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is is that like maybe there mm. is potentially some like mental overlap inside of how Gaku and his technology controls this body
2: mm. and how Shin reads minds. So
5: oh, maybe yeah,
2: notice, like a mechanical overlay or like static. It just
1: all depends on like what the explanation for this technology even is because if if Gaku is essentially replacing.
5: Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
1: The consciousness of this person so that he can control him, then maybe Shin reading the mind of this guy is the same thing as reading the mind of Gaku. Depending, oh. on, depending on how... You know the technology for the control is explained. I guess is like yeah, more you know, like overlapping. He's like yeah,
2: like he might be like picking up like multiple voices. Yeah, in that kind of sense, and he's like, oh wait, and then like one's really tinny, but that seems to be the one, and really faint and very yeah. tinny. Yeah, but that's the one that seems to be driving. Right. Um. And so he suddenly starts picking up on that, or I think he is going to have to um. Because, like, I think what's going to happen is he's going to panic. He's going to struggle with this opponent because he can't get a good proper read on them. Yeah. And what's going to happen, because they introduced Kaji already, and they say that Kaji is extremely shy.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah,
2: this dude. So he doesn't speak. So he doesn't speak.
1: Yeah.
0: So
2: Shin's way of using his telepathy against an opponent that he can't read is that he's going to read his allies' thoughts and be able to work as a teammate to overcome an opponent that he can't read. And I think that's important too because he was talking about how, because he beats Toromaru in the sense that, like, I need to be able to stand on my own. And then his other goal is, I want to be able to fight alongside Sakamoto, so Kaji is going to be that test for him to mm. be able to work with someone using his telepathy in tandem with yeah.
1: someone else. Yeah, hell
2: yeah. I feel like that's the direction where this is, this next following chapter is going to go because of what I've seen so far.
1: I like that. Yeah, I really like that. And this Kaji dude is, like, funny because it's, like, when I... I, I guess I had... For, I don't know if how much we've seen him before this chapter, but I, like, turned the page and was like, wait a minute, who the fuck is this guy? And, like... Before I really, you know, had an understanding of what these dialogue bubbles were really saying and realized that this was like a comedic scene, I guess I had like just gone into the scene thinking that this dude was like scouting the situation out, like waiting for his moment, like thinking about what he was (laughs) going to do. And then I find out like, no, oh my God, this is just a joke about how shy he is. And then he immediately goes like, all right, maybe I'll just rub this guy's back. And he's like, yo, could you not fucking touch me? And he's like, oh, and it was funny. But I'm like, <laughs> now he's now he's got even more of a reason to be shy. He like stepped outside of his comfort zone to be a pal. And the dude said, fuck off. And now he's
2: just like, oh,
1: And I just thought that was so funny.
2: <laughs> uh, that part made me cackle a little bit. I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, uh, poor buddy. Yeah, but that was funny. Oh, yeah, man. Um, This is just a fun, straightforward chapter. This is a great Shin arc, to be honest. Yeah,
1: dude. I'm, like, really loving the Shin focus that we're getting. I hope we get, like, more Lou focus, like, later. I hope that she isn't just, like, entirely relegated to a background character, like, once the heat starts really rising. I mean, like, they haven't really been going out of their way to establish her, at least in my memory, as, like, someone who's supposed to be involved in everything Sakamoto and Shin is doing, which is just kind of, like would be kind of like sad like for me if that was like the case like permanently you know what I mean I I definitely hope that we 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 spin back around pick up Lou and like give you know her some focus and like get her like on the team here because just it's like she's there so like I feel like she should be you know what I mean I'm not like the biggest fan of like female leads just like fading into the background you know what I mean yeah 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 right so I hope Sakamoto days Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I hope Sakamoto Days does that. But like for the Shin arc that we're in right now, I'm loving it. And and if this is the kind of shit that we can get for Shin, then I feel like this is the kind of focus that like anybody else on like you know the lesser important character side of the cast could get. So like I'm I'm hopeful for that. Um But yeah, I love the chapter, man. The next one's gonna be major, bro. Holy shit. Uh Like I am so excited to see how this VR like actually works if we get like a real in-depth breakdown on it obviously going back into what i was saying about the potential you know continuation of 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 the plot in regard to how shin interacts with this puppet and and whether or not he will be able to read the mind of the puppet or maybe notice that there's no mind there and then they're just cooked and they have to like fly by the seat of their pants with with no telepathy help at all or if there is some kind of mental overlap like i was saying depending on the explanation of the technology to where shin can go oh if I read this dude's mind, I'm also reading Gaku's mind. Either way could be cool, but I'm just, like, super excited for it no matter what.
2: I'm, yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be a jumble or if it's gonna be a void. You yeah, know, it's yeah, just like, what, yeah. what ah! Hell yeah, man. The mystery. Um, I don't really have much else to say about the chapter. I do think it would be interesting because I think that Lou Shateng is gonna be, like, taking care of the shop at the moment. Um, But... I also kind of want to see, like, Toromaru, it would be a fun recurring character, but probably not a main cast member, just a nice recurring character. She might be dead. She might be be dead, to be fair. Because, see, like, Uh, here's
1: the thing, right? It's It's like the Gaku puppet comes in and just crushes her blindside- entirely element of surprise direct hit and he commented on the lag so maybe the lag is the reason why she survives but i don't know why or maybe she just has that you know thick of a constitution and she just survives it because she's tanky but i want to believe that gaku is capable enough to just murder people as effectively as he normally does because he's fucking gaku and we know that he's a cold-blooded murderer very high level assassin so like if he was here in person like would he have hit this girl in a way to where she didn't die oh, for some reason? Absolutely. No, he'd be he like, "Fuck no." True people. Yeah, like he doesn't care about like hold, pulling his punches. Day. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't care about that kind of thing. If he's going, if he's going out of his way to make a move on you, he's trying to kill you. So if this I doesn't mean, kill her, yeah. then that's either because this puppet body doesn't have the same facilities as Gaku, which makes sense. But then that makes me wonder, like okay obviously you don't want to be there in person but then if you're not going to be there in person then why would you task this dummy body with whatever goal you're trying to accomplish in infiltrating this exam arc right because it's like if he's not going to be able to have the same output as you then naturally that's not going to be like as effective unless he just you know, thinks that this body is enough to do what he's trying to do in this exam market. He he wasn't expecting Sakamoto and Shin to be here, I guess, maybe. Because it's like, like, you want to be incognito, you want to be under the radar, you don't just want to be popping up everywhere when, like, people know your face and know that, like, you're on fuck shit. So, like, I get that. And you're just scouting or whatever. But it's just like, man, it's like he really was feeling himself that much that he thinks that him just controlling this random person is enough to get him through this Whole assassination exam, or like, who is this guy that he's controlling? Is this dude yeah. anyone of note? Yeah, you know, like, What's
2: I don't know. The will behind the body, yeah, right? Or is yeah. this guy a full robot? I have no idea. Ooh. I mean, we've, we've got a guy who's effectively a cyborg. You know, the first immortal guy when they went to Shin's lab. You know, yeah. So I, there, there's like a question of like, is this a real human being? Um or is this another cyborg? How much is left of the original human being? Um, I can see why, like, they would add like the visual thing so that they could like personally see and evaluate, as opposed to allowing an agent to like make like a, a weaker agent to make evaluations. Like, oh, this person's really strong, and like Gaku can look through the VR and be like. He's strong, but like not by our standards. Sure. Just your standards, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. I feel like it's a great way to scout by having literal eyes on the situation. Yeah. And having uh piloting something that has less power, but using Gaku's technique. Right. So Gaku's technique is the barrier. It's gonna be what's keeping this Shania in the game, but then uh that person's like, in comparison to Gaku's nerfed strength, right. is gonna be kind of what the saving grace of everyone that gets tested.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Because like Gaku was old, able to hold it up against Takamura, who is like theorized to be like the strongest in the series. He was kind of standing
1: up. I feel like Takam. I feel like Takamura had him dead to rights. Like like oh, super he was like toasting. low diff. If he yeah. Te-
2: if he didn't have teammates, yeah. he would have been. St-
1: but he you was wish. still there, ready to stance up with dude. So it's like he's Try. got he's got heart at least. I don't think he, he has the fa- Yeah, I don't think he has the facilities to really go toe to toe with Takamura, at least not yet. But he definitely exactly. was trying to do it. You know what he's I mean? Not, so he's,
2: not, he's definitely has some chops. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's kind of like the filter that they're adding to that. Yeah. like scouting process. That's Hell, just yeah. my take on it. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah.
1: The last thing that i really had for sakamoto is just this last double page spread i really like the art in it um and it's it's really the visor i feel like that i keep coming back to on like what what i really love about this spread because like sakamoto day's art style the line work is very um you know sketchy and there's like broken lines everywhere it's reminiscent of like Akutami gege's artwork right now at least on like the line work side of things obviously you know, anatomy and 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 proportions are a lot different from, from Sakamoto to, to Jujutsu Kaisen a lot of the time. But the line work, I feel like, is similar enough to make the comparison. So getting this reflection on the visor, like, in such detail. Like, this is so much more reflection, like, than I would expect from such a scratchy, you know, style of art. You know what I mean? Like, you usually only see this level of detail in, like, reflections in, like... I mean I don't want to say photorealism or anything like that but it does feel like almost like you know it's dipping a pinky toe into photorealism for this visor reflection effect in you know on top of an art style that is you know relatively scratchy and messy you know what I mean so that was just a cool contrast to kind of like get in in this spread
2: I really enjoyed enjoyed it like I yeah. was like that that is a fantastic detail like yeah. you don't get stuff like normally you get that like level of detail in like more <sighs> detail intensive series yeah like or, a Boichi
1: series or something
2: yeah like a <laughs> Boichi or like a Kentaro Miura kind of series or yeah. like um or like cover spreads Yeah. right yeah, like yeah. something that's dedicated to a cover spread you yeah. see kind of stuff like that but this one was like oh, that is, like, a, like elegant. like. Yeah. And if it was there, I might not have noticed, but the fact that it is there is mm. just, like, wow. that. It's going the distance, right? Yeah. It's the small details going a long way.
1: Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I
2: love that. Did you have
1: anything else for Sakamoto this week?
2: No, I'm just hyped for the next fight. Like, back-to-back, yes. back. good luck, Shin.
1: Yeah, dude, same. But all right, I think that'll do it for Sakamoto Days, Chapter 66. All right, moving into Mission Yozakura Family, Chapter 125. Mission 125, I won't let you go. I love this color page.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. I always forget that Tayo's a redhead.
1: I do, too. I, I forget that I shit I know all the we've time.
2: discussed this a couple times, but yeah. it's always like, wait a second. Yeah,
1: like, hey... Yeah, because it's like his hair is just stark black, you know what I mean, in the yeah. in the manga. So it's like, man, it's like usually I wanna say, and maybe I'm entirely wrong on this, but I wanna say, like, usually if your hair is a different color, like a red, especially, it's it's not usually represented as stark black.
2: Yeah, it's usually manga. represented as gray. Yeah, to like be a,
1: some kind of shade of gray, but whatever. I love this color. I- yeah, I like how um There's such a, like, a diversity in Hitsuji Gondaira's color pages, I want to say. Like, it's not always just, like, one kind of style, you know what I mean? Like, you've got a lot of range inside of these color pages, and I like this one specifically because it's, like, it feels watercolor in the background, but then also feels, like, kind of colored pencil-ish in some of the
2: areas, too. I wanted to break down, sort of, like, the symbolism inside that, because I was reading I was listening to um, a discussion about um, Studio Ghibli movies and the concept of, like, there's always a scene where they're passing through a tunnel or a pathway or a hallway. And it's often a symbolism, symbol of, like, translating from death to life, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -mm, Like, mm. they're talking how like, Ponyo is a story of tragedy and it's creepy because they go through a tunnel but they never come back. Mm. So they were like, is the meaning of the movie that they die? Whereas like, Spirited Away, she goes on the train to the afterlife, meets things, and then comes back to the land of the living, effectively. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So, like, I was thinking uh, like, this is a critical moment. We think that, you know, um, the eldest brother's dying to this poison so like the this this alleyway acting as sort of like a hallway you know is like you know going towards the light as so to speak you know mm. it's like is this a sign that he's going to die or he's at the cusp of dying or he's on the 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 path towards death and that oh, this is shit. their you know vain like not vain but like Dire struggles to like keep him from like following through.
1: Right, because it's like Follow you have Kyoichiro deeper down the 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 hallway than Tayo is, so closer to death, yeah. and Tayo is following him down the hallway to bring him back before yeah. you know he fully dies that's <laughs> at the, the end of life. the hallway. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's kind of what I get from this like this alley cover page and i'm just i like, like that I, it's, that's really you know, cool it's it's, it's 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 very simple it's very understated but like i feel like that's kind of the visual what the visual language is telling me
1: hell yeah dude i, I like that a lot plus the color story is is oh. is on fire bro i love these the, the greens next to these like deep purples and like crimsons and like these these fuchsias above the greens like really like like all of there's only like four colors in this whole thing
2: and they're all used like so well. <laughs> it feels almost kaleidoscopic. Like it almost feels yeah. like it has a rainbow in, in this thing. Like um like it's got like it's it literally does. It has like, you know, it has violets. It yeah. has it does have its indigos and kind of like that soft
1: Oh yeah, um, no, you're like totally right. Light. This is like the whole it's, it's rainbow. Literally the rainbow. Yeah, you got the yellow into the green, you got the blue into the oh, purple, the the crimson white. into the orange, all the way up to the fuchsia at the top, and yeah, yeah, it's the whole shit.
2: Beautiful. Like and like it's done in sort of that noir style. Yeah. At first, and then they just flip it because by not leaving it black and white, it's like you had you hit the full spectrum in a really soft palette.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Dude.
2: hell
1: yeah yeah i love that
2: um, but this fight is tough um
1: yeah yeah i wasn't here for the last review um but like the one thing that like just feels iffy to me about this entire situation is like yeah you have this poison in you but like why couldn't you communicate this to the family anyway
2: yeah yeah, I like
1: I like I understand like if they're trying to say like this is just like a flaw of like Kyoichiro's character to like, you know, be the one that takes everything onto his shoulders and 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 try to leave his family out of it for their sake, like that's mm-hmm. all fine and dandy. But this is still a very well fleshed out and loving and understanding family that gets each other on a very deep yeah. level. So I like I it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't communicate um, you know, his situation despite the I- the idea that he wants to protect them by not telling them. Like, sure, that's yeah. fine, like only on the surface for me. But like the, the more you think about it and the more you like, you know, consider the family dynamic that's been established so far, it doesn't really make sense that he wouldn't just tell them what's good <laughs> before <laughs> I mean... before leaving, go ahead and run and disappear, yeah. but be like, hey, yo, like, I understand it makes more sense for dram- for dramatics and, 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 yeah. and, and plot progression and whatnot, but it, that just felt a little clunky to me personally.
2: That's fair, that's fair. I honestly think about it as um, Koichiro he's afraid to die like a normal person and he doesn't really he understands it. He's acting as if he admits it like he's accepted it. But like deep down, you know, nobody wants to die. No one sure. wants to sure. accept that they're gonna die.. Right. And so I think that he's literally running away from his family. As a form of running away from, like, this, like, inevitable death that the the family heads have, like, laid upon him.
1: Mm. Okay, I I like that.
2: The family did it to him, and he wants to save the rest of his family. Yeah. And so he's running away from his family because he can't run away from what the family heads have infected him with.
1: Oh, wow. Um, that's a cool way of putting it, and and you want to know what it does feel a lot better when you consider like insecurity and like fear, right? Yeah. Because like those will just make you act irrationally,
2: exactly. Like no um, matter what, people, like that's
1: very regular and normal and un- and totally understandable. So yeah,
2: I feel um, like in the West, people always talk about like oh, let's be rational here, let's be rational. People yeah. aren't rational. People yeah. often vote the way they emo- feel emotionally or whatever resonates supposedly with them. Right. Um, people, you know find partner choose partners not on the like a level of qualities or like actual common ground but how that person makes you feel yeah you know and that's
1: the slippery slope that you kind of like have to travel on when you're when you're writing a a fictional story right because you want to go like as realistic as you can in certain areas to like really tap into that relatability factor but like realistic doesn't always translate that well into like fiction Fiction. right because it's like for example.
5: absolutely anybody could be like Mary be like Mary log on to chumbocasino.com and play for free. Now, no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
1: You know, um, in, in the real world, there are a bunch of people with the same name. You might have multiple people in your immediate friend circle that share names and looks oh, like yeah. that's fine in the real world, but you throw a bunch of people in a comic book that have the same name And that's going to get awkward, even though it's realistic. That's just not a good idea to do for your story. So like when you talk about like rationality, like when you're, when you're talking about plotting and scripting and writing a fictional story, you want to make sure that the characters are always doing something rational. If they're rational characters, you want to tie that logic back in a way that doesn't break immersion because it's so ridiculously illogical. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like that can't be applied to every single instance of, rationality in a fictional story there are definitely a lot of like subtextual ways you can communicate irrationality in ways that make sense in your fictional story even though originally i said i don't think this makes a whole lot of sense for him to not tell his family you know what i mean like what he's going through and it felt like a narrative like device by leaving that out of the story i was like oh okay so kiyochirou based on my understanding of him would logic, like, like I feel like Kyoichiro would, even though he's in this situation, still tell his family what's going on instead of just being Mm. completely silent and mysterious about it. But when you factor in what he's going through mentally and like, especially the way that you put it with his fear of death and that beautiful analog that you created and that beautiful, like, um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on this word right now? Uh, Oh my god
2: <laughs> explanation it was yeah like you, you know what you know what
1: i'm saying oh my yeah, god i'm like so mad done. at myself right now like even though even <laughs> though like today. yeah like 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 once you consider that um then yeah like you can you can make you know the irrational decision to not explain your situation to your family feel a lot better You know what I mean? Like, once you consider things like that. I'm so mad that I just, like, lost my thought on that. Now (laughs) I feel like a fucking lunatic who makes no fucking sense. But hopefully you guys understand what I mean.
2: Oh, man. This was kind of interesting. I really liked how the team continues. They did this in the last chapter where they were all using their strengths to help suppress Kiwichiro and buy enough time for Tayo to arrive. Yeah. Um, the part that I really liked was 8-9 um, when Kengo mimics Shinzo and does his like body doubles yeah. and just a ton of Shinzo's come out with like the, the withered spider gas and then he goes meow and then it hits the gas and the cloud has a cat face on it and I was like that's that's Adorable, that's very Kango. Yes. And then I like that they did that to um, kind of hide Shinzo from like repercussion. You know what I mean? To have all those body doubles. Yeah, because, for sure.
1: Uh, Can't find the real one, so his, you know, his HP isn't at
2: stake. Mm-hmm. I thought it was clever. I was like, why? Initially, I was like, why him? And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Of course, there's going to be like that kind of thing yeah that it's a safety measure and i appreciate that. hell
1: yeah inside of the choreography i was like so blown away by just like the level of like landscape damage and manipulation that like futaba and kyoichiro like both have in their arsenal it makes a little bit more sense for kyoichiro i want to say to be able to like i mean like it makes sense for both of them because they're both powerhouses but i like just remember you know futaba is a power set you know um operating inside of like wind and, like, momentum and, you know, mm-hmm. like, things like that. So she can create these, like, force waves of, like, you know, kinetic force pressure, you know what I mean, or whatever. And I'm sure that I just, like, don't have, like, the proper, like, understanding of her ability maybe in this in this critique that I'm giving here. But I'm sitting here going, like, "Futaba can do shit like this? Like, raise, like, whole walls of Earth out of the ground? I was like, that's mm-hmm. fucking insane. Not that it doesn't make sense, because, like, all you have yeah. to do is just put the, put the power output wherever you need it to be to allow this kind of thing. But I just, like, wasn't, like, ready to see Futaba do that. And then, like, later on in the chapter, Kyoichiro does his steel spider stuff and then just makes, like, a giant wave of, like, like rocks and shit. And I'm just like, bro, like, where are the strings connected that are, better do it's just like so hard for me to like picture the strings doing this <laughs> yeah. you know like I'm like holy fucking shit
2: I wonder about that or like is he because he, he's having like this poison bloom right is he still like going through like a bloom power upgrade like a spike of power like the idea of like it's killing him but it's also enhancing him and that's why it's killing him. Is it's it's overclocking
3: his mm. abilities?
2: Perhaps I don't know. It's not really stated. It's not even really implied. But it's right. like, hmm, there's a potential in there. Like I could see that happening. Like, yeah. like, um,
1: I was just. I guess I was just waiting for like a Togashi style or like a a mm. Gege style, like superimposed like narration box, like over the thing explaining like why the power was able to create this effect. Maybe we already have enough in the story to explain this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just don't remember it or whatever, but I just remember being so taken aback by like the amount of like landscape and like environmental influence that yeah. those powers are having. Collateral right damage. Yeah. Like, I was just we're like, holy shit. That. Yeah.
2: Um, especially because like, I think the reason we don't normally see that is because they're assassins. And so like for mm. them, they try to exert the most amount of pressure with the least amount of force kind of thing. Sure. Um, And so, but this is them... Just going all out, no filter, no limits. Going all out, no holds barred. Like, this is a family fight feud. This is a family feud. It's supposed to be messy. And so I think that the environmental damage is kind of like a visual indicator of like how volatile this family fight is. Yeah. And how like, you know... They're afraid of the family being torn apart. And these are people that are willing to move heaven and earth. And it's a lot of earth to, like, (laughs) keep this this shit together. Um, That's kind of what I'm feeling. Um, I expect kind of an explanation next series. Just because Tayo literally just makes contact with Koichiro. Like, forces his way through the steel spider net. And like that was wrong grabs onto
1: him. Yeah, that was twenty twenty one. I was just like,
2: Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I was like, um, Oh fuck, what are you doing? But then I'm like going back through the chapter and I'm like, Well nah, because we totally get this flashback of him talking to dude Kyoichiro's homeboy. Mm-hmm or whatever, and he's he's like, that power will save Kyoichiro. Take that profuse blooming with you and face off against him. So I'm assuming that Tayo's very unique style of blooming might just be like Mm -hmm. a direct counter to Kyoichiro's style of blooming with his poison. Either that, or it's something where, like, they cancel each other out if it's not a direct counter. And the poison isn't, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to assume that that's why it's okay that he's just outright grabbing him despite the peril, (laughs) you know?
2: Oh, I think I know what it is. Mm-hmm. So, the poison is specific to the family because the heads were there. And the heads are talking about, like, we are the family, we are the most important thing, The Subomi is the most important thing. They're focusing on the family. They're not focusing on, like, but, like, Tayo's different because he married into the family. The poison is not coded for specific Yozakura bloodline. He just happens to have a graft of the somanin to bloom himself, so he's a whole hybrid of like a different strain of the Yosakura blooming. Right. And so, then so the poison he's might. Not yeah. Not coded for him. His coded for his like his bloodline. Yeah. Because he's not related. Yeah. To the yozakuras, it's not gonna affect him as bad, and it might be able to balance the whole thing out. I like, it's like that. Um, it's like, um, like inbreeding, right? Like the poison oh. could be a form of like inbreeding, right? Because like, um, like uh, a lot of royalty, like the Habsburgs and stuff, they had uh, massive genetic deficiencies because their blood pool, their gene pool was so limited, and they kept rel- marrying their relatives and stuff mm. to like maintain monarchy. So I'm taking that idea of like limited gene pool introducing. A new bloom, a new strain into the like the genetic pool that is the bloom. Mm. It might help balance things and like revitalize and bolster the like constitution of the plants themselves.
1: Mm. I really like this because like like yeah, it's like the like especially when you were saying about how the poison is specifically coded for you know blood born Yozakura family members and Tayo doesn't fit that description because he was married into the family and then received the power later and the blood later you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so this isn't something that he was yeah i like that i I really like he's not coded to be affected by the poison the same way the rest of the family is yeah 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 yeah. uh
2: so yeah it's like it's like pugs right like I, i ran into a pug yesterday his name was um Oh, it wasn't Pochita. It was something else. Nochi. Nochi. Was a dog named Nochi. That is close and it was, to Pochita. I, yeah, and I, I I asked him. I was like, "Hey, man, how is the breathing problems on this dog?" He's like, "Oh no, he's not a full bred pug. He's like a little bit of like lab in him, and he's you know we we enlarged his nostrils when he was young, but mm. we really didn't have to do too much because he's not full bred." And I was like, "Um, it reminded me of like people doing dog breeding, and like." undoing specific dog breeds to, like, alleviate genetic problems.
1: Mm. So
2: I feel like this is kind of that kind of vein of thing.
1: That's cool. That's a cool way to look at it, When it comes
2: to, like, the Yozakura blooming strains. Yeah,
1: I think I like, um, you know, and it could obviously just be an entirely different explanation. We'll have to see what Hitsiji Gondaira has for us in in the coming weeks. But I think I like both of these ideas. Either, you know, Tayo's unique style of blooming is a direct counter or at least you know a um a double negative kind of effect as Mm -hmm. you know Kyoichiro's very unique style of poison blooming that he has going on right now and they cancel each other out or tayo's just directly counters it whatever i'm cool with an explanation like that i'm also cool with you know the potential explanation that you gave about just not being coded properly for the poison
2: yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, there's this one part that I really thought was interesting. Because um, he was talking about, was like, I may want to kill you, but I'll never let you die, even if it kills me. And so when he's got uh, Tayo wrapped up, he's saying, he's like, hey man, these threats defe- threads defeated the Yozakura family heads. They'll cut you if you move. Yeah. And he still goes through it, I love that he's like. I know that the the way these threads are wrapped around me, it won't kill me. It'll right. just hurt like a motherfucker. Yes. So I'm willing to take harm. Yeah. To save you because you've done that for me. Yeah. Regardless of how minuscule the harm you actually took in saving me, but saw like, right
1: saw right through the bluff though. You know what I mean? He was yeah, like, "Yeah, like, you said that, but like, you know that I'm Tayo and that I totally would." I totally mm-hmm. am the kind of person that would still try to move despite that warning. So yeah. y- just in case you're going to make it not lethal, and I know that, I'm you're calling not, You're
2: not gonna keep it tight around my neck. Right, you know, right. you're not gonna do that kind of thing. You're right. not, you're gonna leave my carotids alone.
1: Yeah, um, and I love the, but I'm I love still the, gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love the dialogue on 15 where he's like, you're still green, but you seem to have passed the stage of needing me to protect you. Cause it's like, he's obviously sitting here going, if you have made it this far, in your struggle against me to prevent me from leaving and we had our little tussle and you're still right here on the cusp of 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 reaching me It's like you have progressed far enough to where i don't have to worry about you anymore and that makes me feel good as someone who's on his way out the door like i he Um, kiyoichiro knows he's just about done with all of his living or at least he thinks so so this is comforting to him to know that tayo has come to a point to where he can get this far in a confrontation with kiyoichiro because now he's like i can leave the rest to you type shit, and he feels good about that which is like really wholesome and cool in such a dark and shitty situation (laughs)
2: Yeah, honestly, I think that's also a point of, like, him going through, like, the stages of grief a little bit, mm. where he's, like, upward hope, reconstruction. He's right at the point of, like, acceptance of death, mm-hmm. you know? Because he's like, hey, you know, he his denial phase was basically just running away, right? Right, right. And then I just imagine it's like, hey, you know what? He's, he's glad that, like, you're still green, but you've done well. I, you don't need me anymore. Is he telling himself that it's like, I don't have to worry. I can leave in peace. I don't have to, like, take care of them. He's trying to, like, shed his obligations Yeah. So he feels okay. Yeah, maybe he
1: just feels less bad. You know, what yeah, I mean? he's that trying he has, to, feel to, less bad that about he has to do like what he's doing. He's like, man, it sucks that I'm dying. I love my family. I hate that. Like, they're still potentially in danger, but like, they're definitely more in danger with me being around. So at least I'm going to get out of here and I have the, I hope my family can survive this. And then now here comes Tayo with all of this ambition and heart and drive and progress. And now he's like, damn, at least there's Tayo. At least I, at least I can feel a little bit better leaving knowing that tayo you know can hold it down you know what i mean like so that is kind of like how i interpreted it
2: it's like he's gonna endure in my stead
1: that kind of thing type shit because it's like before it was just like i'm leaving and my family is like flailing in the wind over here you -hmm. know what i mean but now it's like i'm still leaving but at least tayo has the facilities
2: yeah i love that he's being reached out to like and it's really just in regard to
1: mutsumi obviously is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. is that it's, it's it's really just in regard to mutsumi obviously the rest of the family members are more than capable enough on their own as professionals but like it's really just like man mutsumi's gonna have no one to protect her i have to leave oh yeah tayo and he's capable enough to do so i feel great i feel better about this
2: now yeah yeah yeah. oh man I wonder I'm really fascinated I want to see what happens next chapter with different strains and like is there going to be cross pollination How Mm. are we going to get into like this weird horticulture like I I want to know
1: yes yes Uh. and Gondair is like really good with like the plant based like research and explanations in things and how he incorporates it into not just the power system but like also other like poetic symbolic things so I'm sure he's going to like snap on whatever explanation he gives for this entire situation so I'm excited for that
2: and it's been an ongoing theme because, like, even the first villain, the first bad guy that like kidnapped Mitsumi, was a guy called the Gardener.
1: Hmm. Yo. He had, little, like, rose
2: cut, he had like rose cut. He had scissors, like, like
1: scissors. Like, yeah. It's always been there. So like, yes. I want this
2: horticulture moment to slap. I yeah. want it to happen. It's
1: definitely going to. Holy shit! I forgot all about that. That's fucking yeah. amazing. I'm, yeah.
2: I'm... I'm and salivating for the moment
1: hell yeah uh, same bro but yeah
2: this is this is just a very emotional fight i'm just like oh, yeah, damn, man. This... I'm,
1: I'm loving yeah. every moment of it
2: mm-hmm. is, yeah. there, is there anything else you um, had for yozakura honestly, this week? i don't think i have anything else to say about this chapter
1: all right great yeah good discussion man great chapter and that'll do it for yozakura family 125 all right moving into my hero academia chapter 350 bound to a fiery fate how do we feel
2: i'm not crying you're crying right (laughs) Uh, this one's heavy man this one is heavy dobby hurts um i wanted to touch on something it's it's completely a tangent but i noticed that um a lot of the cops in this series are anthropomorphic yeah was a dog there was sons of the cat man now there's a gorilla watching over juko yeah. and i was thinking I was like you know it's it's really weird to see um a reflection right because so like if like we know that heteromorphs in the world are maligned they are not treated well they are there it's basically quirk racism um, Right. And I thought it was really interesting that in a world where quirks are everything, superheroes are the main law enforcement, and police officers are not, the main law enforcement is full of heteromorphs. And I was just like, that is very interesting, that like oh. the second class of law enforcement is full of second class citizens in the eyes of the public. Yeah. So those who don't have great quirks, or quirks that are more suited for law enforcement and less about combat, or the heteronormative heteromorphic quirks, they get relegated to police work. They even told this like like in like uh, the beginning of the series, Midoriya was told by Alma, "is like, hey man, kid, give up about your dream. Like, just become police officer, dude. Like, you can still help. Yeah, still be meaningful. But yeah."
1: Like, I'm trying to think of, like, too many examples where a heteromorph is really in the spotlight like that. It's really just gang orca, orca, right?
2: That feels about it. (laughs) Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. And he was, like, top 30, and he was near the lower end of that.
1: Yeah, because everybody, like, you know, thinks he's a villain off of his, like, aesthetic or whatever. I remember remember that being a I'm,
2: like, a little racist. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I rem- I remember I remember something like that earlier in the series about them talking about how like oh, I was gang orca, a-, a hero or whatever they were like. Yeah, they definitely said something about that at one point. I never really, really thought monstrous. about it like that. And I wonder like I wonder if that's like really that consistent throughout because the- I know that we have really, you know, a lot of examples of, um, like you were saying, you know, heteromorphs that are in a police force yeah but now yeah. I'm thinking like, man, what about like the famous heroes? like how many of them are not heteromorphs? like all of them except for gang orca um uh,
2: Mirko, that's about it
1: Mirko and
2: hers is like very like yeah. she has those ears those ears are real
1: she's like, so the, like <laughs> she's like the equivalent of like white passing like yeah she's like a she's like a white passing heteromorph
2: mhm. Yeah, the super light skinned uh, 118th on my mom's side, kind of heteromorph. I'm just like, oh, that's so rough. And, like, you know, being biracial, it's like something that I'm like, I picked up on, like, kind of quick. And I was like, "Mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. Ironic, ironic. But it's also at the same time, like, Japan's police force functions in a very different way, in more of a civil servant. Method as opposed to like what we're familiar with in the U.S. Right. So it's like I can see that, and I I just like I was like, you know, coming from the lens that we're coming from. Yeah. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Yeah,
1: having there being you know a very clear abundance of heteromorphs in the police force and a very clear lack of them in the you know main hero spotlight is like a really cool observation.
2: Yeah. Um. But that's just kind of what I want to touch on before we get to the meat. Yeah. The meat. The grilled meat of the situation.
1: Dabbers. Dabber Todoroki. Okay, so... Yeah, dude, this this was just so well-written. Like, this is, this is Horikoshi's, like... One of his biggest bags, man, is mm-hmm. the writing of these tragic characters, and just characters in general, in, in My Hero Academia, have always been written pretty well to me, or very well. Um... But, like, Dobby specifically, like, it's like, man, whenever it's Shigaraki or Dobby that's getting the focus, like, the storytelling just gets so deep. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this whole situation where Dobby burned himself to death, and then Uji uh, All for One and Ujiko, like, fixed him up, and he was supposed to be, like, you know, a throwaway vessel, or, you know, All for One, basically, mm-hmm. if he needed a new body... But Dobby was like, fuck that. What y'all talking about? I need to get back to training with my dad. Fuck you. And then they were like, all right, well, whatever. He likes his dad too much. So we fixed him up. He'll die in a month anyway. Just let him go out there and fucking burn people to death until he dies. And then he comes yeah. back, like to join the league of villains.
2: Years yeah, later. Yeah, and Years it's like,
1: later. yo, how did you survive? And he's like, because I'm fucking pissed. And it's like, oh shit, I'm going
2: I... to make it everyone's problem.
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in like the Ayashimon segment about like the mind body relationship and and how like you can die of a broken heart and how being in a really good mental space can heal you physically and things like you that. Can live and it's for like. Spice yeah like straight up like this dude is definitely supposed to be dead but his like determination to enact his revenge on endeavor is literally keeping his body moving and it's like okay
2: what's that joke uh through spite and god all things are possible
1: (laughs) hey man my favorite one is the world be damned doom endures (laughs) like whenever dr doom gets dialogue about like perseverance And, like, mental fortitude, despite oppressive physical resistance, it's just Mm. like, oh, yeah. Inject it!
2: (laughs) Oh, man. It's, there's, I love these chapters because it really confirms what I've been like. I've touched on the idea that, like, hey, have you guys noticed that Dobby's, like, burn areas are spreading? And I'm like, yes, now it's... The, it's, it, like, I remembered it when they first introduced him back with, like, the big white coat, you know, when they're just like, here's the villain side, here's the hero side, and I'm like, hey, guys, do yes. you think he looks a little crispier than normal? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, where's that white coat? Uh, he burned it off. It, you he can did? See, you can see on page two, at the top, top, top right corner, you can see him, his sleeves and stuff. Oh, but, the part under his eyes weren't completely connected and charred until now, so he's burning the coat off him.
1: So wait a minute, because I remember, like, didn't that was before the Paranormal Liberation War that they showed oh. like the new leaders of, you know, the League of Villains, oh. and they had they had Dobby. He he like ran his own little faction twice ran his own faction toga compressed yes, boom, boom, and boom. yeah and we got that like double spread that like showed them with their new drip in their like newfound roles mm-hmm. and then like oh. i don't remember the white coat like i thought i remembered the white coat then right that's like the first
2: time we saw him in that is in that spread wasn't it I'm and then not really sure. i'm not recalling like super accurately yeah visually. me neither, me neither. Um, you can see like parts of the coat on. I oh, was just saying, like, I don't
1: remember the coat from after that panel. Like, I don't like, legitimately, do not remember him wearing a white coat. Like, since I then. just remember when,
2: like <laughs> all for one, like, snapped his fingers. Everyone putty patrolled showed up through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. He was dressed up like.
1: Okay, so he had all
2: it. white okay. coat, and I was like, oh, he's dressed in all white. He's, you know, literally dressed in all white. That's very symbolic of death. He's here to, like, suicide kamikaze this yeah. fight, yeah. Um, trying to kill Endeavor. And, uh, I mean, based off his dialogue in, like, 1617 and a couple other pages, like, that's, that's accurate.
1: Right. Yeah, I just um, completely forgot about the white coat, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You can see remnants of it on Yeah, for see.
1: sure, for sure. I don't know like, man, I, maybe I need to go back to like the last chapter or something and see or a couple chapters ago and and just see when the fight started cuz I for the life of me could not remember this drip.
2: Watching his parts of his face begin to peel is horrifying cuz yeah. like at the beginning of the chapter, he still had eyebrows. At the end of the chapter, his eyebrows have been scorched off and like the skin yeah. has crawled up like he's lost his nose and everything
1: um yeah well
2: that's oh that's disgusting i wonder how that's gonna get animated to be honest that's that's like yeah dude and it's like (laughs) i
1: used to i used to have high hopes for like my hero academia adaptation like i can't wait to see this and can't wait to see that but it's like man considering the time slot for it and like the history of it censoring things like you know throughout the series like they didn't really censor like too much for like chisaki overhaul but then they go into my villain academia and all of a sudden it gets weird so it's like I don't know yeah. how I feel about like when they eventually are going to adapt this. this
2: They're just uh, like, We need to keep it for the kids and I'm like, this is this story has lots of child abuse to be honest. Like And a lot of
1: horrific imagery. Like, why did you want to adapt this in this time slot if you knew that Buddy was gonna be cooking like this? Maybe they didn't know, who knows? I don't fucking know. But... Maybe
2: they underestimated a the thing and they, they, they gave it the one piece treatment. They're like, Oh, this is a cute little story. Slavery, genocide <laughs> <laughs> kingdoms revolution at all costs
1: yeah social you know, injustice kind of... hey but see like i want to assume that you know kohei would let them know like there's got to be like huge conversations that are had from like the point of like we want to adapt your series until here's finished product so you'd assume that these like board meetings or these whatevers would be like kohei being like hey what do y'all think my series is and they'll be like well from what we've seen it's, this. it's like all right well to get a I whole mean, lot fucking darker you know what i mean breaking so
2: arms breaking constantly and like breaking bones and fingers and all this stuff so like it's never been shy about like the traumatic amount of damage that happens
1: i mean i guess that's true too but i mean like breaking bones when using a power is like way different than like skin burning and like horrific like mm-hmm. junji ito like like levels of like horror facial expressions and shit like that bro like yeah i gotta assume that like kohei was like hey man if you think that this is just like a cool little you know shonen superhero story like that's fine or whatever but like it's gonna get dark in this bitch like eventually so like Mm -hmm. how are y'all gonna deal with that you sure you want to put me in like a a daytime like kids just got out of school like kind of like time slot you know what i mean like i don't know I, I wish that we had more insight into the industry in those kind of ways because like sure. there's so many like documentaries and interviews and whatnot that you get on like the western side of things where everything is like so transparent and like here's the entire process from start to finish here's who we were talking to here's like the chief creative the editor the editor in chief the the dude do dude, dude. we get all of those people you know in a in a much less opaque light than we do over in the east and I just wish that we could just get a little bit more so that we could connect you know some of these dots a little bit better but whatever here we are anyway i want
2: to see where they're coming from
1: yeah for real i want to like i want to see the thought process i want to see the decision making i want to see like all of that stuff because it's just like only
2: comprehend so much through the lens of the culture that i'm raised in right and so like i know that there's always going to be like a cultural disconnect so like you and i we don't see much wrong with the yashimon. for them they're like this is glorifying the yakuza we don't want to do that right um so like it's just like, eh. never and know. Our 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 view of it is like everyone's a gangster. Like you you think that the yeah. owners of like 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 corporations aren't effectively gangsters? Like <laughs> yeah. police
1: um, force in America seems kind of mobish gang. a lot of the times. Yeah. Biggest
2: gang in the states, man.
1: Right. Um. But yeah, man, this is wild. The art's crazy. I really like this one on sixteen where he's like. Fucking stepping through the statue of All Might, like directly down the triumphant arm, He's melting, through. melting through it, like as he approaches Todoroki, and it's just like, man, the the things that you're saying, like subtextually, are just like so crazy in this chapter.
2: Well, it's it's it. I love that moment for like sixteen, seventeen, and the fact that like Toya was. Made and eventually like tr- to made as a replacement. He was f- he failed as a replacement. Then he was salvaged as a replacement for AFO. Was a discarded as that considered a failure for some other reason. And then it's like Endeavor wanted to be all might. Todor- Sh- Shoto is is what Endeavor wanted and what Endeavor should have been. Yeah. Right. Right. He, his, his true successor. And then Dobby is literally forcefully supplanting the image of All Might by melting through him and like taking place of the thing that his father could never beat. Right. And so I love like symbolically, like, and like, Dobby is like, move over All Might. I'm the final test. I'm yes. the one you truly need to beat. Um, Because he really just wanted to be seen.
1: Right. And the thing that ties it all together is, you know, the fact that he wakes up after almost dying to be fixed by Ujiko and the rest of these guys as they're trying to coerce him into joining their family. And he's like, nah, dude, I got to get back to the crib. Like, what do you mean? I got training to do my family. What the fuck? My dad's probably looking for me. Fuck y'all. And then he goes to the crib and sees him just, oh, Dobby's gone. All right. Well, then we're going to do the same shit with Todoroki. Like, let's try with Todoroki then. You next. know what I mean? Yeah, he's, like, on some next shit. You know what I mean? So he's like, oh, okay, so that's how y'all moving. You know what I mean? All right, I'll be back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that moment right there is, like, what ties, like, all this together. And I want to say that one of us, I think it was Kiko, long time ago, when we were talking about, you know, when we first started talking about, along with everyone else, the possibility that Dobby is Toya. You know what I mean? I, I want to say Kiko had a moment where we were talking about like why Dobby hasn't like shown himself since childhood. And I think Kiko said, well, maybe he, maybe he did. Maybe he came back after they thought he was dead and saw that Endeavor didn't give a fuck about him and was just back to training Todoroki. And like literally, like this exact scene, like I want, I want to say, shit. yeah, I want to say one of us like, like literally brought up this scene like over a year ago close to two nice. years ago in reviews like either nick or eagle or kick it definitely wasn't me i don't think but um but i want to say that we that we that we totally predicted this scene in this way not on I some like ha, ha, we did it but on some like you know hey, like dude makes this sense. makes sense yeah, yeah yeah
2: i i definitely believe that because like the part is, the fucked up part is like dobby is emotionally unstable already He's been traumatized by his like upbringing from endeavor. Like the part that like, all for one lost his grip on him is said, we failed. He was like, "Oh, we tried our best to fix you. We failed. But that triggered him into th- reminding him of like all the failures of like his dad and him, and we failed. And he's like, no. I can't fail. I must go back. I must succeed. And then he goes back, and he's like, "Oh, you already replaced me. I'm, I'm, I really was a failure. You didn't think about me." And he's young. He's traumatized. He's not thinking about it. Endeavor thought his son was dead. He yeah. didn't even th- consider the fact that he's alive. He d- like Dobby's not taking the time to think that maybe this guy that said, "No, you can't leave. You have to stay here." and, like, work with us, and we want to help you, so you should work with us. Yeah. May have left a fake body that his family buried, and, like, he just never thought that through. And that's his, like, villainous mistake, right? That's the stake that turns him into a villain.
1: Yeah, that's his uh, Hamartia. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: so he's like, that's the day that Toya died and Dabi was born. That's such a hard image, like, praying before your own shrine. The own shrine in yeah. his own family home of like, yeah. hey, you're dead. And he's like, oh well, I'm dead, I'm dead. But yeah. you know. But Dobby's got, here now. Like a revenant, I still have unfinished business, and I will limp this fucking nerve damaged corpse to its end. Um Yeah, wow. And that's crazy to me. I love that that's that's so hardcore right um, and it's strange because like he misunderstood so much yeah you know like if he had like taken a moment to think about it maybe he could have salvaged something right but at the same time if he had gotten love or affection or acceptance or like the relief that he was still alive he may not have had the the force of will to keep living. And he man. would have unraveled and fallen apart in a month.
1: Yeah, man, that That's, shit is deep, bro. I'm just like. It's like, like yeah. you know,
2: you're, you're, you're at a lose lose situation. And, uh, you know, if you can't win, at least get what you want, kind right. of thing. Right, right. That's where he's at. That's his mentality. Yeah. And then I think it's interesting that he. Uh, he always espoused like different philosophies and I feel like he never believed any words of that he said. He was like I want to make stain's philosophy a uh, reality, right? But stain was like heroes should be selfless and those that should aren't selfless should be cold. And I think that he latched onto those who are not selfless should be cold. Attached it to Endeavor. I get to kill Endeavor. Stain's ideology is the one for me, mm. even though I'm probably the most selfish member that proclaims stain's ideology, like compared to Spinner. Spinner's yeah. like, Hey man, are Shiggy, are you okay? Are you all right? Whereas Dobby is like, Hey, Dobby, don't rush. Jumps right in, ignores everyone, right. only focuses on what he wants.
1: Um, And they're like, that's cool for, like, you know, the chaos and destruction aspect of what we're doing here. But when it's time to, like, team up and, like, form a plan, it's like, we can't count on this motherfucker for shit. He's the wild dog. Yeah, and and he's that good at playing that role that it still makes sense to have him on the team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which is something that is, like, very well um, kind of, like, uh, delivered. You know what I mean? In in a story like My Hero Academia. Anything, like, related to Dobby and just, like, the Todoroki plotline in general has been handled, like exceptionally exceptionally well inside of my hero academia for me and like i'm trying to like remember like more like instances of hamartia in you know shonen storytelling because i want to say you know like that's something you know that you see a lot more of in you know bigger uh, grandiose epic like fantasy tales you know what i mean like something or like in, in, in like yeah in, or in like seinen stories a lot more too like where you have a you have a tragic hero where he was doing everything right and then just made one fatal mistake and then that like catalyzed the the downfall of the like, hero wow. you know what i mean like yeah like all of that stuff you see that in seinen a lot you see that in like High fantasy, dark fantasy, you know, like DND or like Magic the Gathering has a lot of Mm -hmm. examples of like, you know, that tons of of stuff
2: in Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
1: So it's like I'm Uh, trying to think of times where you like you really get that in like Shonen storytelling and I don't think you it really makes a whole lot of sense in shonen storytelling a lot of the time. You usually have to like relegate it to, you know, an already villainous character like Dobby, and then you just like, you know, hindsight load in you know, the hamartia in it, in his backstory, but it still works because Dobby was supposed to be
4: a hero. Lucky landslots asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I In my dentist's office more than once. Actually. Do I have to say yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he was being trained and built up, and if he had a fucking decent parent, you know what I mean? Like, he would have been a hero. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah.
2: So... I mean- AFO, it's 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 like what I was saying about like Shigaraki. I genuinely believe that AFO waited for these kids to be fucked up by the the dysfunctional dynamics in their families. Maybe even like worked to create those dysfunctions within the family, like pressuring family by various means, finances, neighbors, just constant barrage of stuff, um, and then just waiting for the moment to scoop these kids and then further break them mentally and groom them to be his potential vessels and successors. Like, that's, yeah. that's kind of what he's doing, because like imagine the Todoroki family without having found the body for Toya, and mm. then Toya coming back, and they'd be like we missed you so much like his mom, his brothers his sisters would be like we missed you so much
1: Yeah. The fact that he knows that they thought he was dead and moved on that quickly is everything in this situation because he was ready to go back and be back with his family. If he he wanted to be, if he would have never went back and still had just spent this much time away from them, he could be trying to, you know, um, uh, reintroduce himself to them in a way different attitude. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there would have to be a whole bunch of different storytelling that was told in regard to his character to make that happen, obviously. And that's what we're talking about right now. But, like, the fact that he went back once and saw that is, like, really the moment
2: that created Dobby. Absolutely. And I don't think he ever came back because he felt like he wasn't strong enough to kill Endeavor. And that's why he never, ever went back. He's like, I don't need my family. The only reason I'm going to go back is to kill my dad. Um, And he just spent all that time trying to get stronger. And he's like, this is the moment. This is the strongest I'll ever be. And soon I will be consumed. I will... And, like, he talks, uh, like, that final spread where he's, like, telling his brother, it's like, hey... he dehumanizes his dad by calling him that thing over and over, and he's like, when I kill that thing, that'll be the mark I've left on his, on this world. Like, killing Endeavor is his way of, like, living beyond his, like, half-life yes. of, a, of, a, of a lifespan. And it's also um, his
1: way of communicating to himself, the world he occupies, etc., that, he, like, you can't get away with something like this. Like, you don't get to be a hero that's loved by everybody after doing something like this to me. The world needs to know that this is the kind of hero that they're admiring and that they're glorifying, that there's something terribly wrong with that. And the way that they'll learn is by losing that thing in a very humiliating and, and, and truth-exposing uh, way. You know what I mean? Which is obviously the very chaotic, a very chaotic and and destructive route, which we all know makes sense for where Dobby is in his character arc currently. So it all just feels great.
2: Like the idea of um, page seven. I should apologize to mom and everyone and dad still needs to see what I can do. He needs to be seen. He wants to be seen. Um it's it's like those uh copycat school shooters that uh, like they want to be famous. They right. want the head they want all the blame. They want the 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 headlines and the fame, you know, that kind of thing. And right. that's kind of what Dobby's doing. I want to kill the guy that caused me the most suffering in my life by never acknowledging me. If you won't see me,
1: the whole world's going to see me. In the this way, see me. which is and the it, the exact opposite of the way you wanted the world to see me originally. Yeah. So fuck you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the ultimate fuck you. Plus, like if you won't look at me, I will force you to look at me as I kill you. Yes, like you're gonna look at me now, kind yes, of thing. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's just like that's hardcore. Yeah. Um, there is this moment that I spotted. Here, after they failed to like convince him, page ten. Um, that building's on fire. So that means he burned down that daycare.
1: Oh shit!
2: And uh, there was a moment when he was trying hey. to drag down Endeavor in the public view when he's like, I didn't even notice that. First. When he's like, I'm Toya Todoroki and I was abandoned by my father, I was left to die, he abused me, he abused all my siblings in an attempt to perfect a quirk, he did the shady-ass quirk marriage, and he's like, I've killed 30 innocent people. And I think that might be that daycare that he was in.
1: Hey, yo, wait a minute, where did he say that again?
2: Um, It was the video, after Hawks, oh. after the Paranormal Narration Front, he creates this video, he's like, "Hey." Hawks killed a guy in cold blood. They do the government does shady shit. Superheroes do shady shit. My dad is the worst. He did quirk marriages. He beat children. He abandoned me. I'm his son and I have killed 30 innocent people. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Right. I was like, overall, like, how are you doing it? How do you judge it? What is your morality? Like, how do you judge innocence? Yeah. when you want to murder and lash out at the world and part of me is like oh. this is it yo he woke up in a place they're like hey we're just a bunch of kids and he's like I burned down that building to escape and get back to my dad I didn't care who I hurt on the way to get back to what I wanted and that is the complete fall Of Toya Totoro.
1: Yo, that was amazing. Because not only did I not, for whatever reason, notice this, like, burning building and, like, connect that dot the way that you just did about how, like, he, he burnt that shit down, like, to escape or whatever. But also, like, that line of dialogue from the video earlier in the Paranormal Liberation Front War arc, where he said, I killed 30 innocent people. And, like, yeah, the way that you broke that down makes a lot of fucking sense because it's, like, who is innocent to Dobby when he is mad at the world? Because, like, you want to assume that anybody that he's gone out of his way to kill since becoming Dobby and joining the League of Villains, he probably didn't see as, like, innocent or whatever. He probably had his own reason for, for killing them. But, like, these kids from when he was still a kid that he had to burn down this joint to escape from... He probably, like, regretted that for a little bit, like, damn, I'm sorry, kids, but I had to get the fuck up out of there. So he could probably see them as innocent, but easier
2: than he sees any
1: of the other innocent yeah. people that he's killed since think, rejoining the, the team. Yeah.
2: I think the other people that he's killed, you know, in his attempts to get stronger and pre- perfect his flaming fist technique, um, he probably did the stain thing and chose heroes that he viewed as... Selfish and like basically endeavor substitutes. Yeah. He hunted down flawed heroes in the system and burned them down to the ground. Wow! Um, and so he never viewed them as innocent, but those were the people that he killed to get stronger.
1: So that's just
2: my take on it. Um, no,
1: that was fucking beautiful, fam. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. That was um, that was incredible.
2: it's it's tragic man this 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 chapter hurt
1: yeah I wonder (laughs) I wonder if we're going to stay on this uh on this area of the conflict for the next chapter or if we're going to switch perspectives
2: I think this this is time for the Todoroki family uh brawl
1: yeah but you know how manga could be they'll be like oh yeah you really want the yeah you want the continuation of this don't you prepping yeah, before I
2: get to the meat of it.
1: Yeah, it's like, nah, we're gonna set this up on this drastic cliffhanger, like, yeah, Todoroki versus Dobby, next chapter, and then it's just gonna switch back to like uraruka versus like Toga or something, which would be totally fine. But I could just see it happening that way.
2: I I don't know. I feel like it's gonna be this because they need something to occupy the time that mm-hmm. Deku is traveling to mm. Tamura Shigaraki. Yeah. So, I think they're going to do that. They're going to flip back to Himiko Toga versus uh, the girls. Yeah. uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot Asui
1: was there too. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then maybe all for one, one of the two. And then Deku arrives, Shigaraki, final fight, conclusion of the story, epilogue. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm feeling. Um, I like that. But like, there's only three other fights before the big fight, so like, yeah. they're gonna have to do something. Either that, or they're gonna bounce to the AFO fight, then loop back to the other thing.
1: I could see them but going I, to the. I could see them going to the sh- to the sh- uh, to the all for one fight after this, because that's where Endeavor's at, at right?
2: Prepping, right? Yeah. Like, well, no, because that's
1: where that's where Endeavor is at, isn't he? He's like face to face with all for one.
2: Ah, yeah, and then yeah, so it makes sense to each other. yeah, it
1: would make sense to switch to uh, to the all for one perspective coming out of this chapter, especially since Ooh, yeah, yeah, especially yeah.
2: him mocking. Oh, he'd probably love tearing Endeavor apart emotionally by saying, "Hey, you know, your son truly does hate you, yeah, and I yeah. do too." But I just think it's funny how you have so much power and capability and yet you continually fuck up. Yo. You know? It's like, I just think it's entertaining yeah. as a person that doesn't fuck up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he would be like that, guys. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's like, don't you want to see how proud – of it's like, don't you want to be proud of your boys – don't you want to see? He just has like screens, yeah. just like, "Hey man, here you go," and then strike him while he's you know grieving. Yeah, um,
1: that was some Doctor Doom ass dialogue you just hit though. Like, <laughs> as as me, someone who doesn't fuck up, I was just like, "Oh shit!" I
2: heard Victor all over that. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. But yeah, I just I feel like they're gonna like maybe do the prep to AFO. And then bounce back to the brothers fighting after AFO is like, hey, we've set up our we've set up the premise of our fight, and I've talked a lot of shit to kind of bring like Brothers Fighting, Endeavour back to the boys, and have that full circle moment. Then maybe the Himikotoga stuff. Then AFO fight. Deku arrives to save the day. Yeah. Final fight Shigaraki. And I feel like that would be satisfying. I just like those, like, there's only so many combinations these things are going to do. Right, but, right, like,
1: right. I think we're, I think, I think I like your, um, your idea of the progress, though. I think that that would be a really cool way to get it.
2: Hmm. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. This is, this is wild. Oh, yeah. Do you have
1: anything else for My Hero this week? Um,
2: I don't believe so there was one moment where um no i think think you're good yeah i think that's it i think that's it all right well
1: great conversation man
2: Thank you. Yeah, dude. Likewise.
1: Yeah, that was deep. That was that was deep. But I think that'll do it for my hero 350. All right, getting into the last segment: East Daily's Estance, One Piece chapter 1046, Raiso cover cover uh, cover story. That's what it's called. Germa 66. Ah, an emotionless excursion, volume nine. Two intruders in pudding's home. Chocolat Town. I have no idea who these intruders could be. I feel like this is usually where Eagle gives his um, insight into things. Do you have an the idea? Brothers, the oh, Smoke oh, brothers. oh, because, like you can yeah. see the
2: little capes and stuff, and yeah. like they've been because uh, like two of them have been in the book. So where are the other ones? Yeah, I yeah, think it's yeah. the other siblings that are like, where the fuck are our siblings? So wait, two
1: of them are in the book. Yeah, two of them are in the book. So then so one the of them is a brother, and then the other one would have to be like Raju.
2: Yeah, the sister or something.
1: Okay. Um,
2: And so it's the other two siblings that are just like, where are the others? We need to go get them. So I think they're just going to invade. And they're like, we don't have the book. It's on its way to the thing. We can't trap them in the book. Fuck.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because I remember just, I just remember getting to the chapter and being like, ah, shit. I have what? no Hell idea yeah. who these people are, who they could be. I'm not paying attention enough as I should be. Usually, that's where Eagle just comes in and goes, "Boom, boom, boom." This is what I think, and but no, I think what you got it. I, it is, I yeah, I think um, I think you got it. I think I think that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So.
1: Yeah, getting into the chapter. What
2: are some of your favorite parts in this chapter? Uh,
1: I mean, I like I like the uh, I, I mean, this fight with uh. This fight with Luffy and Kaido is, like, so funny and cool, right? And it's, like, the, the the way that it starts off where Luffy's, like, bouncing around, like, while Kaido's just, like, oh, this kid, like, on the ground. And Luffy's like, hey, man, what do you think I should name that last attack, bro? And it's just like, damn, you're really, like, that is so Luffy. But, like, that is, like, if I was Kaido, I'd be like, no fucking way. He's asking yeah. me for help with naming his attacks while I'm, like, this. panting on my back wondering how I got in this position like god damn it this fucking straw hat kid
2: it's I mean literal kids it's just yeah. reminded me of times where I'm like watching parents just be like exhausted by their yeah. children the children are just still running circles around them right and right. I'm just like yep that's that's this fight yeah this fight right here yeah
1: <laughs> I also really liked on uh, the, the four and five spread the first uh The first panel where Kaido's like, I'm relieved to hear you still got sass, Straw Hat. Awakening is what happens when your mind and body catch up to your powers. And those are certainly ridiculous powers. Like, I love this line of dialogue, one, because I feel like um, it's been, like, a theme throughout our conversation this week. Like, the mind and body relationship has, like, come up a lot in what we've been talking about in this episode. So that's really cool, too. But also... Yeah, as far as, like, explanations go in One Piece, I feel like for a power system as, like, vague and soft as, you know, Devil Fruits and Haki, you know, kind of are in One Piece, that Mm -hmm. coupled with Oda's um, knack for, you know, delivering exposition in very, um, you know, kind of sneaky, almost like yoda mysterious like riddle kind of like poetic like dialogue almost like it's a very quick short dialogue bubble awakening is what happens when your mind and body catch up to your powers that's quick to the point good enough for like me in the moment especially considering like you know the the depth of explanation that we've gotten for power in in one piece so far has been you know rather shallow so like a dialogue bubble like this does a lot for me in my understanding of like how you know, powers and abilities work inside of One Piece, so I'm, like, grateful for it, and it also works great as a piece of dialogue coming from Kaido to show his experience as a pirate in the world, so I just think it served multiple purposes very well.
0: Um,
2: oh, yeah. um, I really liked the fact that, like, on 4 or 5, they trade blows, and, like, awakened Joy Boy Luffy literally yeah. just his ability permeates all that he surrounds and it's like i like how he has like the punch like the spikes sticking out of his body when he takes the effects and I the the like kundali
1: dragon swarm and it hits him and yeah. he's like but like that's like how i like read that dialogue bubble like how am I gonna that yeah like <laughs> but no i like yeah no and that works too but i like when i first read it i was like imagining that like scene from family guy where they're like hey you remember that guy who's like really good at sound like verbal sound effects and then he like falls down a flight of stairs and he's like E-I-E-E-E-E. and i was just like <laughs> <laughs> i like pictured that like for wow, the, the voice actor in this scene it was just like sent me <laughs>
2: I just like the weird, like, punches going through Kaido. And he's just like, oh!
1: Yeah. Does he get... Yeah, that's good shit. Um, I love that.
2: And then... I thought the really important part um, in this series, when Raizo does the elephant bath...
1: Oh, yeah, before we get there, though, while we're still on okay. this, like, Kaido... Gotcha. No, 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 no worries. I just, I just, uh, before we move away, the panel on the bottom of page six where... Uh, Kaido sends the demolition <laughs> gust, and then he fucking pulls his legs up to dodge it. Very Looney Tunes, which is obvious, but oh. also like it reminds me of like The Mask with Jim Carrey. It reminds me of like, which is all like derivative, you know what I mean? Of, of, oh, of, I mean, of, of it reminds kind of me anyway. of that
2: one scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Where Who
1: Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where
2: the taxi just like they hit the old car jack and the wheels. Yeah shoot the car up and yes. it just like goes over the bus or something like yes,
1: that yes yes yeah I love, like, I love yeah. Shit like that. yeah the fact that I mean, it's clearly trying to pay homage to you know tex avery hanna-barbera you know looney tunes like era you know uh animation comedy um we've been seeing it all throughout like popeye the sailor man like we've been mm-hmm. naming all the references that everyone else has been naming but this particular move was just like one that like you know fits so well but just wasn't expected now that i know we're in this like you were in this yeah. s- you know style of storytelling for this fight like i w- I was expecting like we saw the popeye shit i was like yep all right great we saw the tom and jerry like i after images like all that stuff is sounding good but like this one i was like oh we got
2: that too okay we got them all <laughs>
1: like we got all the references now <laughs>
2: the panel directly above that. He's got the roadrunner legs, yeah. dashing Kaido and I'm just like yeah that's pretty rough. Yeah. I haven't seen this many like Comic book references since Yu Gi Oh had Toon Town from Maximilian Pegasus.
1: Yeah, bro, Toon World, Toon World, Toon
2: World. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That wow. was such a weird part of Yu Gi Oh, but I was like, this is hilarious.
1: Yeah, but exactly, it was weird, but it was hilarious, and it stuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was like that is, you know, for most people, the thing that is immediately like memorable memorable like yeah like like yeah like people yeah people will remember toon world like before they remember a lot of shit in Oh. you know what i
2: yeah. mean yeah i think people's like yeah you remember that thing oh yeah the weird toon world thing yeah. yeah they remember that before Exodia, like you know and type like, shit maybe maybe the series, yeah. the series is ancient compared to like the rest of the other series yeah. i'm like, I'm really dating myself. Like, I got into that shit when I was, like, 10 or 11. Yeah, it about it's about there for me, like, too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> old times. Yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah, man, um, back to, to Raizo, though. What were you going to say about Raizo?
2: Oh, um, I really liked the elephant bath in, like, Jimbei just doing the fishman jiu-jitsu ocean current soldier th- sh- shoulder throw. Mm-hmm. And, like
1: – My favorite movie's got –
2: Seeing how he did that, like, I love the transition from page 13 to 14 and, like, zooming out to see how yes. he the entire base. That was a great perspective. Name. I
1: feel like I'm not used to perspectives like this in One Piece for some reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been, I mean, for, like, la- better part of a year, it's been very chaotic. And, like, a lot of people have been complaining about the paneling being this or that. And it's, like, chaotic. But I'm like, this is a literal war. I don't know, I feel like war should be chaotic, so I, I just kind of give it a general pass. Yeah. Like you if you've been doing a series for so long, you're gonna have to like visually mix it up. Right to do different things. And I feel like, you know, when he does arcs at such length for so long at a time, each arc, it's like I feel like they have like kind of specific things they want out of each arc visually. Right. And I feel like this one is like, it wasn't a popular choice, but that was the choice. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And like, after watching like the Uro fight, uh, Ishigori fight in like Jujutsu Kaisen, I was like, yes, another grab intangible thing and throw it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, my little punch fire. Yeah.
1: And it's just (laughs) such a cool illustration, like, effect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To draw into the action, whether it's Uro from Jujutsu Kaisen or, you know, uh, Jinbei here in One Piece, like, that's just, like, such a cool thing to look at, you know what I mean? Like, conceptually, and then also just, like, how it's represented in the actual illustration is just, like, so cool.
2: (laughs) I love it, um, because, like, it's a nice little, like, like the whole chapter is bookended in like double bookends, right? So yeah. there's the bookends of the Kaido Luffy fight. And then the next bookends, um, there's everyone giving in despair to the flames. And then the other bookend of that is everyone is saved from the flames. And the middle part is just Raizo acknowledging Zunisha and jimbe saving the day and that's like the center slice of that sandwich yeah and i was like you know what like pacing wise within a chapter fantastic very simple but like effective
1: yes and i love the and dialogue I- too where like where was like hey man jimbe bro like i got you you know what i mean like thanks for believing in me holy shit and he's like dude my fucking captain believed in you Before me. Why the fuck would I have an issue? And I was just like, damn. I was like, yo, that's like cool points for Jinbei, obviously. Loyalty points for Jinbei. just like, Just like very cool crew moment on behalf of Jinbei. But also just like a really cool thing for Jinbei to say like in a vacuum. Just like a cool line of dialogue. Like, Luffy chose you samurai for our alliance. Why would I doubt you? Now come on. Let's get this money. I was like, okay.
2: Jinbei. Dude, Jinbei's like top-notch soldier, right? Yeah. Like He's the guy that you're like, oh, you follow orders, orders. Damn, dude. Yeah. Um, And, like, he's very upfront about, like, hey, I follow you. I'm going to, you know, listen to you even if I don't think your orders are always the right, like, but, like, you're making, you're calling the shots. My job is to make that goal a reality. Right. And, like, he even, like, <clears> you know, when he was, like, I quit the Big Mom Pirates, he was like, hey, you know what? you've been cool, I've always followed your orders, but, like, I can't follow you anymore, and I have to tell you to your face.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I'm, like, respectable. Like, Jimbe's always been, like, a big respect guy. Hell, yeah. Um. Man. Yeah,
1: that's good shit.
2: There's parts in that, um, I love Hamlet's kind of reaction to Usopp where he's like, I want to save Kin and Kiku and it's also to save myself. And Hamlet's like, hey, man, you want to include my name too? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: It's like, bro, is? like, who even are you? Like, I completely like, forgot you were a character. I know that
2: I'm magically compelled to, like, be your buddy, but, yeah. like, I didn't get rid of my self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> let's the okay.
1: Yeah, please, save me too. Hell yeah. I
2: love the, I love the little character moments. I, I, I'm looking at Sanji and he just looks dilapidated yeah um which is kind of funny because like he uh he's always trying to like you know get with the ladies always like put his best face forward and like the moment where he's surrounded by women and actually saving them he looks like absolute dog shit and i <laughs> love the irony of that yeah wow like page uh page page, page nine. nine yeah he's looking I'm real i'm like yeah. You look like a salaryman on a th- four-day bender, bro. Like yeah. you haven't had a vacation day in like years. Yeah, Oda
1: Oda really leaned into the Steve Buscemi Reservoir Dog's like aesthetic <laughs> reference. The aesthetic reference for Sanji. Like oh, he no. totally leaned into that no. for this panel.
2: <laughs> That's awful. I love that though. That's yeah. funny. I can't unsee it
1: though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I didn't I didn't know you didn't know that. That's totally like The aesthetic that's that's legitimately the aesthetic reference for Sanji's design is Steve Buscemi and Reservoir Dogs.
2: Holy shit!
1: Yeah, you never seen that, uh, bro. I'm about to send it to you right now. It's like a whole like it's like a whole like just like image of all of the real life references Uh for character designs in One Piece.
2: Who's who? Yeah, like who are the physical inspirations for this?
1: Yeah, I'm about to do this. Yeah, One Piece character references. Yeah. Hold I just on. thought it was
2: interesting to like yeah. have kind of like those character moments like these are who they are like you know um like Beppo, right? Yeah. He's not, he can't handle heat. He immediately passes out. Um you know, Brooke and Nico, they're always looking for a next way out. They're, they're they they yeah. don't really give up. They're trying to keep going like um poo is still, you know, a shit talker. And yes. more concerned about saving his own life than actually like understanding the pain of others. Yes. Uh, and then you know, Usopp being a coward, like, I'm gonna do a thing. Oh, that backfired immediately. Like my sprinkler plate immediately like took flame and is fucked. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um
3: yeah.
2: and then even Frankie, he's just like. I don't even know what to do. I'm just gonna run around and keep doing my best.
3: Yeah, you know, like... and
1: still talking shit too. He's like, "Man, I gotta get Zoro out of here. Like, like this shit is fucking crazy right now. I gotta get this guy to chopper." And they're like, "We're all gonna burn before that happens." He's like, "I'll show you a burn if you
2: keep talking shit." And I'm just like, "Yeah, Frankie." He's just crotchety, and he's just like, "I'm gonna keep plugging away. I am a man of action and yeah. very few thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go." Yeah, um, people are so people I-
1: are like DM call real quick. I just want you to like pull up this uh, this this picture of like the side by side references, just because like I just think that that's fun that you haven't seen this yet. So, oh my god, <laughs> it'd be a cool little like combo <laughs> to have real quick as you like go through the references. Uh, like some of them I don't know. You know, who Um,
2: are the blind marine? I knew, yeah, that's definitely Zatoichi. He was a cook, like, because I love Zatoichi. Oh, that's perfect.
1: Yes, Lenny Kravitz as like Mr. Five or whatever. The like, the uh, the like, he like picks his nose and flicks boogers at you, and then they blow up, or whatever. That dude Mm -hmm. from like. Fucking Little Garden, I think, was the arc yeah. that, that he was in. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz, that's crazy. Fucking Mankind reference for spandom. Mick Foley in, like, the very middle.
2: Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. Um, yeah. The Al Capone reference is kind of cool. I Hell yeah. I like the Don Quixote. Like, I recognize the Don Quixote. I think it's funny that, like, apparently Killer is just a Daft Punk reference, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs>
1: dude oh man uh Whitebeard as hulk hogan is so good
2: okay it's really funny because it's just literally like turn that frown upside, upside down,
1: down.
2: <laughs> that's the theme of the series folks that's the theme of the series
1: freddie mercury uh, is fucking uh what's that what's that man's name from from uh from the galela uh company in uh in water seven god i can't remember the dude's name in one piece but yeah freddie mercury is that guy that's a banger <laughs> uh, that one yeah. was one where i was like god fucking damn it really and the craziest one to me is that like okay so jim carrey is the it's is the reference people. for for bon clay right mm-hmm. but then he's also like the reference for uh, frankie's original design oh and, yeah i mean yeah it's shapeshifter and, but like the crazy part is that frankie and Bonclay clay have the same voice actor in the anime.
2: Oh, that's ironic. Yeah, so it's like oh.
1: uh, <laughs>
2: Is that meta? That's so meta. Yeah,
1: like that's like too too deep. Too deep. Oh man. Tim Curry is fucking Ivankov. Yes.
2: Yeah, I remember that. I was like, I could see that the entire time. I was like, yeah. kind it's like Dr. Frankenberger. <laughs> Why is this Dr. Frankenberger? Yeah.
1: I wasn't ready wow. for Stevie Ray Vaughn being ace though like that like when i seen that for the first time that shit shook me to my fucking core because i love stevie Ravon and it should have been just so much more obvious to me but it wasn't that's wild yeah i like
2: it though oh yeah um so there's actually more references that i want to like dive into like oh so you oh have, like the celebrity references yeah i want to like dive into like the mythological references yeah yeah going so... back to the
1: chapter yeah yeah <clears throat> Art yeah absolutely that was fun though thank you for that <laughs>
2: of course oh, yeah, really. I love seeing that stuff like, yeah. cause like you know you and I both talk about how media influences media influences media um, in all forms like art isn't stolen it's recycled it's right. it is what it is
1: it's a thin um, line though like they're definitely it, like plagiarism is definitely a thing no, but, plagiarism yeah. is
2: definitely a thing in, yeah, a, in yeah. a way that is lazy
1: mm-hmm, recycling mm-hmm. in a way
2: that's cheapened yes um, yes but so I've, I've said it a couple times where like Luffy and Kaido are Fujin and Raijin, but it's inversed, right? So Fujin was supposed to be a protector spirit, you know, the kamikaze, divine wind, yeah, you know, the wind, wave I was gonna the say. fans, sink the navy that's yeah. coming to invade from Mongolia. Yeah. Kaido is the evil Fujin, whereas Raijin is a demonic uh son of uh izanami
1: izanami and... oh man the undead schoolgirl chick oh shit the, like she's like an undead maybe not schoolgirl but like the undead god this is just like me playing smite coming uh, into play so right izanami
2: now. And izanagi he's raijin's their son and Wait. so he's also considered demonic right so oh. um Raijin, because, like, like in Japan, they have a saying. It's like, you know, they tell kids to hide their belly buttons during storms because Raijin will eat it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's very, he's, he's that fierce storm god always, you know, grimacing yeah. to show his, like, displeasure, which is the literal opposite of Luffy as Joy Boy, even though they have similar aesthetics. And it's yeah. the reverse. He is a joyful, happy, vibrant, storm-like quality. Yeah. And Raijin had a brother, the god of fire called Kagatsuchi, and Luffy had a brother who was on fire in Portgas D. Ace.
1: Wait a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, Oda. Okay, Mello. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's cool, though, because if Fujin was normally a, you know, benevolent you know, Shinto deity, and Kaido is the representation of that on the evil inverse, and then raijin historically was evil shinto deity channeled through luffy as benevolent lightning wielder is just a tight flip parallel reference love that
2: yeah and i'm just like that's that's really great in this sort of super japan style story and i'm like yeah that's he's been having this planned for a minute. Like, I feel like what he did was he went backwards at the end, filled up the story. He wanted to get all the beats he wanted to have and then just wrote the story from the beginning, from the character's perspective, hitting all the beats that he wanted to. And that's why it's taken such a long time.
1: Yeah, I love that.
2: Because he's like, I want to explore everything I want to explore in this arc to hit all the beats that I want.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's real good. Plus, it totally makes sense that Luffy can grab lightning. <laughs>
2: yeah, and the fact that he grabbed lightning in the last page was the part that I was like, huh, Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, the whole, like, Kaido controls clouds, and they're able to lift things, and he had that move, that bowling ball blast of, like, the gust of destruction, demolition yeah. gust. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh, he's got demolition gust." luffy literally grabs lightning with his hockey coated fist yeah and i'm just like move over Enel!" like
1: bro dude even looks like raijin right now like in this panel.
2: he does and i was like this is this is fantastic i love that a lot
1: of the western audience is gonna be like luffy zeus now and it's like nah it's raijin because, That's like, exactly. Zeus, you know, like, you know, like he's known for grabbing lightning and throwing it at you, oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? He so I'm sure a lot of, yeah. Um,
2: Fujin uh, was the base for the Greek god of the winds, Boreas. Mm. They share a ton of similarities in the fact that they both have a giant bag full of the many winds they've captured in their travel.
1: Oh, nice, fart bag.
2: Yeah, big old, big old whoopee cushion. <laughs>
1: Seven wins. Holy shit!
2: Freaks. Japanese, very mature. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but nah, dude, I love, I love that, uh, that, that mythology. Um, you know, observation, analysis, point out, spot. Like I like, like that's just so cool, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I really dug it. I was like, I need to, I need to like. Really break down, and then when How's I was banger? looking it up, I found about Fukutsuchi, and I was like, "Oh shit! Ah, it's Ace. Yeah. Oh my god!"
1: Yeah, dude, that's the one. That's like, <laughs> "Oh fuck!" That was the clincher for me. That yeah. was
2: like, "Oh my god! I'm onto something!" Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, you killed you killed it with that one for sure. Mm. Yeah, good shit, man.
2: But uh, that that's my whole bag. Yeah, there's nothing but crumbs left.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of this was like you know I feel like we you know. Digged pretty deep inside of the things that could be digging, digging, mm-hmm. dug deep into. <laughs> yeah, every yeah. everything else is just like straightforward comedy or just like character moments to let to remind the audience like where certain people are. You know what I mean on the battlefield and what they're doing. You know in the in the current moment. So there's not a whole lot to deep dive in every scene. But yeah, the the mythology stuff and the awakening dialogue with Kaido and the cover story and yeah, I feel like we. You're like we gave it a good go. Yeah,
2: uh, we done did uh, we done did dig uh, dug a dome. Uh, Doug Dimmado. Doll off the dome. I don't know. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> Doug dome. owner of the Dimmsdale. Do- all right. Well, <clears throat> thank think, you for listening. Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's all I got for one piece, man. You're good, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that'll do it for this chapter of one piece and this episode of the project bonga podcast thank you all so much for watching if you did make sure you slap a like on the video if you haven't already consider subscribing if you're enjoying the content so far and you are not subscribed yet um check out our description section where you can follow us on twitter and join our discord or listen to the podcast on like spotify or apple music or something a lot of links down there you should click them all um, check out our patreon or our online store if you want to directly support what we do beyond just watching the videos which is plenty of support as well um, but that'll do it wrapping up i'm your host Knox, and i'm Melo yes catch y'all next time